It's gonna be a smooth podcast rolling down the highway. How have you ever thought about doing a long distance bike trip? Have you thought about doing that in the winter? Today, I'm talking to Elijah. I cut him off in Golden British Columbia along the Trans Canada Highway. He had just paddled from Lake Louise, but he's on his way to Vancouver from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. This is Saskatchewan to BC. Maybe we want to say halfway across Canada. This guy is raising money for the opioid crisis on a pedal bike. He's 25 years old, great eye contact, has the energy we all need and love. I was fortunate enough to be told about his presence um, through news and a friend. I believe we can all learn something from this podcast. This is being empathetic towards the people on the street. We're not so far from them than we think. Talks on the psychedelic world, philosophical, it's deep. My apologies maybe for the trains, and if you can, this is happening now. He is going over the Rogers Pass. Everything that you donate to Cycle to Stop the Harm, he's not doing this for profit, he's doing this for awareness, maybe the profit of the well-being of us as a whole. You're beautiful. Find him. This is Elijah Cycle to Stop the Harm. Hit up the GoFundMe, donate, let's go. My um, narrativizing mind is very active. It's this invisible frame of reference that you carry in your head. Life presents all sorts of adversity, and some adversity doesn't feel like adversity. It's sneaky. Could I um, interview you for my space gas? For my space gas? What the hell is going on here? <laughs> has a lot of has a lot of power. Um, fucking great to meet you. Glad yeah, you're alive. Me too. We're gonna do a little podcast here. Welcome to True Glue Talks. I. I'll let you know who I am. I'm just meeting Elijah. He just got off his bike. Where did you wake up this morning? Lake Louise, I guess, right behind the gas station. Yeah. How many Ks away? I don't know. I think it was only 80. The sign said 84, but I think Google Maps only told, excuse me, told me like 80, 82 maybe or something. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. So. It was crispy this morning though, the temperature. Yeah. I mean, it feels pretty good. Like so far, I think the coldest I had was minus 18 out in Alberta and Drumheller um, but even then without the wind it was perfectly fine the wind is really gnarly I mean you can get minus five and the wind still can make it minus 25 and the yeah. only difference is when you stop in minus 18 you're still actually quite warm when you stop in wind minus 25 it's just like wow I'm really cold so as soon as you stop I find the body is yeah never gonna be able to warm itself there's so much heat with so much friction going through like the blood all your veins mm-hmm something like can wrap the planet three and a half times, two and a half times for, for the, the length of, veins, of your the length of your arteries head. and nerves and stuff. I know it's kind of crazy. Like there's just so much heat, you know, even when people ask like, do you have a heater or something? I'm like, no, no, no. The body is a heater. I mean, mm-hmm. it can be a tough heater to work with, but it's really amazing that I can just eat, you know, some, some chips or whatever, some chocolate and boom heater. I was watching someone fill at a gas station once and just imagine like, a peanut butter gas station of like how much peanut butter I'd have to like chug or whatever to make that same amount of fuel but it doesn't compare I mean the amount of calories and gasoline it's outrageous yeah I don't know how many calories I could eat of gasoline until I could bike for a day 
I don't know, probably not a lot. Hold up, like the actual petroleum? I mean, let's say we converted those calories, that energy, to something I could eat. Whoa, was that a wolf? That could have been a coyote or a... Oh yeah, coyotes are nice. I don't think wolves um, hang out. Lone wolves are kind of rare. Okay. And they're in packs, and they're farther away to hunt bigger game. Okay. Usually. I was just curious, because when it just in Camworth, somebody said there was... Uh, quite a few wolf sightings in Camel recently. Whoa. And bears. People have been seeing bears already, and there's signs I've seen of warning of bears. Some have woken up because of the warm temperatures. I'm like, oh, yeah. good. I'm seeing squirrels this year, too. They Man. usually hibernate. I might come into, I might run into a bear one of these nights. I'm still cooking in my right. tent because it's too cold for me to do it otherwise. Uh, I mean, like, a time like this is, is perfectly fine, but usually I finish right at dusk. Yeah. And then I'm kind of just like, I don't want to cook outside in the dark, so I usually go in my tent, so I might run into some, some Have bear Have you issues. seen a bear before in your life? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. plenty of times. I've had uh, quite a number of bear experiences, some interesting and cool, some interesting and really horrifying. True. So. What about a horrifying time? Uh, well, I was out doing some geology field work with a buddy at Northwest Territories, Yep. And so we were out in the boonies completely by ourselves, and we had a bluff charge from a mama and a, and a cub. A bluff charge, yeah, so it horrifying. charged you. Yeah. Yeah, a grizzly? It was a black bear. Well, it was actually white, but it was a black bear. True. Like a, maybe people might call it a spirit bear? Yeah, maybe something like that. Like, it, it was like a, a dirty white, but yeah, a beautiful spirit still. Totally pure spirit. Yeah, So defending its children. Yeah, it was it was crazy, I mean... Yeah, it was just kind of like pretty gnarly because we're just out there and we're like, man, if something happens, we got to, I guess, go back to camp, call the chopper with the satellite phone. We've mm. been get, we were getting a lot of bad weather, so the choppers were often not Something happened with that bear. With that bear. Oh, yeah. To one friend or like both of you, like... Yeah, if something like if something happens to one of you and you can't fucking walk to the camp... Yeah. Or, and then from there... If something happened to both, it's just like game over. It was pretty, yeah, it was pretty spooky. Yeah, it's I funny mean. to talk about that after the fact because, like, it's either game over or it's not. And it's, yeah, yeah, it happens. And it was so crazy. We were we were collecting trilobites because he's a paleontologist, it was his project. I was just an assistant. And we got back to camp, and he's like, I left all my trilobites, we got to go back. Like, no fucking way, dude. Those bears just about killed you. It was charging him as I was up on the slope. Like, they just about killed you, and I would have had to, I don't know what, like, deal with that after, try to figure out, do I go in there and, like, try to punch this bear in the nose or just watch him get mauled and oh, wait it out, you know? It's just like, fuck your trilobites. They've been there for, like, 400 million years, man. They're going to be there still. Actually, yeah. it was, like, 500 and 540 million years those trilobites were sitting there. And all of a sudden, he has to go back and get them. Like They're not running away. Can he identify that? Was he identifying that, your friend? Trilobites? Yeah, was he identifying how old they were? Uh, he was, more specifically. I'm just thinking, because at the time, we were we were in uh, the Cambrian. It was actually similar to Burgess Shale, around like here in Field. Um, but there were like, deposits way up north. But uh, stratigraphically, basically the same, the same time frame. So he was, yeah, he, I mean, his project was about trilobites. And I was just out there helping collect trilobites and do camp life, which is sick. Mm. I love it. It's just the life for me. So the the ground here is similar to up there? Is that what you're mentioning? Yeah. Yeah, basically, it's really cool. I mean, the way it's exposed is just differently, or is just different. Even, like, all the mountains here are buried underneath Saskatchewan. The same deposits are there, just deep. if you go deep enough. 
and then some of them come up again out in Manitoba. So there's this Tyndall stone, there's limestone that you can that they've mined out there, and it's like it's basically the same age as a lot of limestones that are out here popping into the ground. There's also if you go south, same thing, Bighorn Canyon, same huh. sort of thing. Yeah. I wonder if anyone's gonna understand exactly where all this is. Yeah, <laughs> Bighorn Canyon, that's Wyoming down south. True. Yeah, I heard uh, more of the Rocky Mountains. So, are you saying the mountains are poking through Saskatchewan like they are the Rocky Mountains kind of thing? Because this is the the first chain mm. that runs northwest, or sorry, uh, south north mm -hmm. from America all the way up to Canada, and yeah. more of it's in America than yeah, it is, is in Canada. Yeah, and so that's the thing is like all these beds that have popped up here. I mean, if you just follow them stratigraphically, they'll just go basically more or less flat in theory and buried underneath a lot of other deposits in the prairies so they just haven't been exposed because there's no continental friction in the prairies it happens to just be far away from any tectonic excitement it's like if you were crumbling a cookie from the edge of it it breaks probably a third of the way in not like halfway through yeah basically as opposed to yeah uh, that's where saskatchewan is that's where saskatchewan is and that's also why it's boring let's say and that's where you're living i know this is where i'm living in my tent yeah i mean i was living there doing school so i just finished i just graduated geology in in this last year 20 25 nice i'm 27 27 okay yeah. cool so i just finished geo um and that's the only reason i was in saskatoon really i, mean, I got family and friends there but it hasn't really felt like home since since i was like basically 15 probably it just clicked where I was like, well, actually, I was living with my parents, obviously, when I was 15. And I, I realized that they pay all these bills. Or maybe my mom had mentioned it. And I was like, man, I don't do anything to pay these bills. And since then, felt like a mooch. And so I just, I don't know, I couldn't shake that feeling. And since then, Saskatoon never felt like home. And I just was like, I don't want, I want to help them. But I don't want to help them because I think this lifestyle is a little silly. And a house you is could, expensive. You could do more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just uh, So I, that's why I basically, I tried to leave as soon as I could, probably through university. And then even after that, I just was still like, man, I got to get out of the city. So as soon as I graduated. Which city? Saskatoon. Oh, yeah. Saskatoon. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So I got on my tent or got on my bike. And I've kind of been on the road basically since April, on and off. Was in Saskatoon doing some random work. Was in Quebec City. Otherwise, yeah. I've been all over. You biked from Saskatoon to Quebec? No, I. It was kind of funny. So I tried the bicycle that first, but at the time I was so obsessed with French that I couldn't give up the days to cycling. I was carrying like multiple dictionaries, grammar books, like like a whole library stuff. Jesus. And I would try to study every day, but I was just like. I was so torn every time I was cycling. I'm like, man, I'm wasting my time. I need to be studying. And I just like, oh, I was just killing myself over it. So I, I ended up stopping that in Manitoba. It was like 650 kilometers, not very far. And then got picked up from my sister. Thankfully for them, it's like, oh yeah, just a few hours. I'll drive over and pick you up. So she saved me. Yeah. And then I decided to try something different. Got a motorbike, rode around, climbed out west, then went to Quebec City. Hated the motorbike, sold it, got a bicycle, started going west, huh. and now I'm still here. Did you get a license for that motorcycle? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I just like... I know some cowboys from Calgary that drove all the way to Ontario and back without licenses. Oh, what? Yeah. Dude, that is motorbike cowboy. Guy. Really? Yeah. And the uh, the guy was riding like a, a 150. Okay. Something like that. Just barely going, oh, like yeah. not able to go 100 kilometers. Yeah. Hour, able to go 80. Whoa, this yeah. summer? Uh, a couple ago. summers ago, okay. yeah, if not three years ago. Yeah, that's so sick. I just heard about that story after they okay. told me, and I'm, 
they're they were just laughing that they still don't have their licenses that was really funny yeah yeah i mean i had my learners and that was it but even then i still was like i mean in theory it's legal other than driving at night but usually when it's dusk i just take off the learner's tag and just give her yeah i mean basically i would just be like i never want to get pulled over so nothing changes really i just definitely don't want to get pulled over because i might get my learners taken away yeah so it never really felt different. I never want to get pulled over. Yeah, I know. That's I don't the want thing. to talk to the cops right now. Or ever. Really. Yeah, they kind of freak me out. No, no, on my side. It feels like. But they're good people, maybe. They're yes. good. I mean, they have a job to do, and I, I totally respect that. But unfortunately, the way that I dress and the way that I live my life tends to be sort of, I don't know, trouble, I guess, or, or menace to them. So in Saskatoon, I got stopped a lot. I was wearing just very ragged clothes, very old, beat-up clothes, and they'd always stop me. And once they found out I was just whatever, a university student or something, then Elvis was like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. And I'm like, man, what, who are you looking for? Who do you think I was? I don't know. With that trench coat, you could be anybody. I know, man. I feel kind of weird. I mean, it's so weird. It's so sad because, you know, I just want to sit somewhere. But now I just feel like anywhere I sit, I'm just loitering. I'm just a troublemaker. Yeah, it feels like you're loitering. Feels like you're doing something wrong, mm -hmm. in a sense, compared to what everyone else is doing. Hey, so biking, I uh, as everyone was going by in their vehicles, I just felt such a disconnect. Yeah. Have you been feeling that? Um, yeah, I mean, so I had done this trip quite a few years ago, but in the summer with a buddy. And it had become hooked, so I've been doing cycle trips since then every year. Yep. And it's always been like that, like, I haven't had a cell phone service for quite a few years. I just got it for this trip. And and people would always be, like, worried. So, oh, you don't have, you know, you're off the grid or something. Or That's amazing, man. That's cool. But to me, I was like, no, I'm I'm far more connected to, as far as I can tell. I mean, the world seems so real to me. And and even though, when, like, when people are driving by, a lot of people see me and usually probably think, wow, that poor guy. But every time I see someone drive by, I'm thinking the same about them. Mm. Like, man, they are missing the real world. Interesting. It's like looking from that window is like, you may as well be watching TV. It's just, yeah, as you said, disconnected. As a, I'll let you know, like, I've been flying and going around the world and for five years. Sick. Visiting different places. And uh, I had a big story, or uh, just felt like I had a lot of stories to tell. That's mm -hmm. why I was talking uh, through the podcast, right. main, mainly by myself. But then these long-winded conversations with nice people yeah. doing similar things or people I'm excited to talk to totally ended up being what I, what I got into. But last summer or was my first time getting on a bike okay. and feeling kind of connected to the planet slash well looking at all those people go by mm -hmm. I, I never did think to myself that they were missing out on what I was doing because oh, yeah. I also liked the fact that uh, I think they're having a good time themselves too I suppose wh whatever they're doing they're just not like us mm -hmm. maybe no, that's a good point. I shouldn't just assume You might that, be weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I shouldn't assume. And in fact, I know that not a lot of people would be enjoying this as much as I am. Um, but I don't know. There's still this. It's interesting. Like some people will, will say, oh, you're so courageous or this is, you know, a big, big whatever um, deal. But to me, it's just big enough of a deal to me personally. Like it was just the brink of what I felt comfortable with. 
And so yeah. to me, yeah. it's a big deal, but it shouldn't be any bigger of a deal than somebody who's like, I've never eaten Chinese food and I just tried Chinese food for the first time. Like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. You know, to me, that's, that's all it is. That's what traveling is. That's just pushing that boundary a little bit farther. So I think for that reason, I feel excited to be on the bike when all these people are passing me. And I'm not sure, and I hope that when they are, whatever they're doing on their journey, driving, that they're like on something that, some journey that will push themselves just a little bit, just outside their comfort zone. So are you a fit human? Have you been keeping yourself in shape and like believe that you're able to do this? Like your fitness level is able to get you as far as you want to go? Or did you, how did you really end up with the confidence to start biking far? Yeah, it's, I mean, I've been, yeah, I've been cycling like this for a long, for years and, and just cycle everywhere. I mean, I, I went like probably a full year without even sitting in a car and probably two or three years without driving a car other than just getting around in rides. And I'm like so stubborn. I don't know if the train... Train's loud. Is it going to be disru- it is disruptive? It's disruptive. We uh, should just uh, like eat chips or something. Okay, yeah, yeah. Even for things that might be like really controversial, it's so important for you to recognize thoughts in yourself. I mean, there's a lot of thoughts that people will have. Let's say suicide, for example. I don't think that's as uncommon as people think. Yeah. I mean, even if it's just a roll of the dice, you hear the word enough Literally times. Literally thought it like days ago. Yeah. Five days ago, I was like just questioning it and wondering, and mm-hmm. I, was, I caught myself thinking about it, and I'm like, oh shit, that's freaky. I don't want to tell anyone about that. Right. And then I catch myself thinking again. That's okay. Everything's okay to talk about. And that's the thing. And I'm not going to kill myself. It's not my time. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yeah, and that's the thing is, I think people, when they hear, let's say you, you mention that to somebody, they're like, oh my gosh, oh, wants to kill himself. And even though they know deep down, that reminded them of a moment that they might have thought that, mm. instead of recognizing that in themselves, it's it's easier to just be like, no, there's something wrong with Colin. He needs help. I'm fine. Mm. I never want to kill myself. All those thoughts that they were repressing are just hidden. They're uh, hard to remember, hard to relate to. Because yeah. I think it's scary to hear about when someone's thinking about killing themselves. When you, Back when I heard it in that high school, or uh, if I heard about it from anybody, any loved one, anyone, you're like, that's hardcore, that mm-hmm. is scary, that's sad. Mm-hmm. And you, I don't actually think about how I think that too sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's not important at that time either. Mm-hmm. I think it's what, I don't know what is important. It's like, well, why? Why do you want to maybe? Have you ever had to talk to someone uh, who like on the brink of that? I've never talked to somebody when they're on the brink of that. I've talked to many people who've gone through very serious waves. Yeah. Or even possible attempts. Is it high in Saskatchewan? <laughs> Saskatoon? I don't know. I don't know the statistics. Mm. I really don't. I really enjoyed Saskatoon. Yeah. When you I went did? there, I went across Canada uh, with one of my first partners. Went all the way to Nova Scotia or Halifax, Ooh, and uh, not biking, but yeah, in a Volkswagen Golf. It's so freaking far. Oh, it'd be it's, it's all worth it though. These days, I'm seeing how that'd be so dope if you did do it. It's sick, but honestly, man, that's what I was thinking when I was biking from Manitoba or biking from Saskatoon going east. Like such a waste, man. The whole trip. If you go east to west, all across Canada, that's like Saskatoon to, I don't know, like Columbia or something. You know, like there's so much more change geographically, culturally, linguistically, yeah, all these things. But if you do this east to west, it's like, you know, geographically the most boring 
thing you could do. I mean, there's the Rockies, there's the Prairies, and there's the Canadian Shield. Done. Mm. That's it. And then culturally, nothing changes till you get to Quebec, pretty much. Man, everyone's just like out, out there and nice. Yeah, <laughs> like Canadians, exactly. They're just they're not. They won't tell you that much. You won't get in that philosophical or deep of a conversation unless you meet some really out there person. Yeah. But uh, they're all nice, and they all live their lives out there. All the gas stations, all the restaurants, all the cafes. Yeah. I mean, I think I think there's tons of people that want to have conversations like this, but I just don't think the current, I don't know how to describe it, belief system. It's brutal. <laughs> just kill it. Yeah. Uh, I'll just pretend it's a fart. <laughs> but um, no, I think that the current, let's say, belief system, which is primarily capitalism, consumerism, among many others, but religion has really taken a downfall. Even for those who go to church, it's not as big of a deal anymore as it once was. I think this modern belief system and consumerism has really changed, I don't know, so many dynamics, including conversations like this. Even just the other day, I was outside of a grocery store and bumped into a random lady, had a nice chat, and that to me stands out. I mean, I'm grateful and I do my best to make that all the time, but it still stands out because even when I try really hard, it's really rare to meet somebody and just have a chat outside of a grocery store mm. about something, or even to have a conversation like this. It's like, why is this so uncommon? Why can't people just be friendly and, and neighborly? It's crazy. Eh? Growing up, I don't remember. I remember. I don't remember. I remember. <laughs> I remember having the first long conversations ever and like deep. Mm. We called them heart to hearts. And mm -hmm. you finally had a heart to heart with somebody. And they were just honest conversations. Yeah. And they were reputably the only times I'd ever had them. Mm. And then it became a change. Like I, I realized that we're just trying to live or I was taught to try to live in a respectful manner to everybody else and mm -hmm. there's etiquette and there's a way to go and there's rules to follow. Mm -hmm. Then I realized the heart-to-heart -heart conversations is when I felt the best and that's mm -hmm. when you're just being honest and not following the guidelines and letting everything out that you feel. So then I'm just trying to reroute everything that I do to do that all the time. Yeah. And it's working. And it's it is possible, totally. I think it's definitely possible to be, I mean, I use the word blunt, but I think a better word is honest or transparent in every situation. And I think what happens often is people will be kind of uncomfortable, but if you do it like really compassionately, you know, you're not being an asshole, but you're just being honest, um, you can sort of, I think, inspire people and even in small conversations where they're kind of like, Oh, that guy was like being weird or something. He's talking to me, which is weird because I'm at Costco trying to get groceries. Why is he talking to me? That's thinking you know? that there's the rules. That's the thing, the but it, subject matter. If you're if you're confident enough and you trust yourself, what actually happens, I think, to those people is either they bury this seed deeper and deeper, just cover it with more shit, or they have this you know this thing that pops up and blooms a little bit. You know, it sprouts because they're like, oh yeah. The world, it's, it's human beautiful, life. human life, yeah. <laughs> Experience. Mm -hmm. The And if they're conscious and thinking enough, when you think about it long enough, you get to this dead end, you're like, wait, I'm wasting a lot of energy thinking that that person did something to me mm -hmm. or has done something wrong because that doesn't, there's no right or wrong here. Like I've <clears throat> shaped that and mm -hmm. I'm making myself hurt about how that guy talked to me just yeah. to, outside the grocery store that's yeah that's the thing brutal yeah honestly it ends up being their problem you know if, if somebody's going to be you know rude let's say even 
um, or even stealing like somebody had broken a windshield on my motorcycle and I was like you know he just he was cutting trees I parked it right next to a tree and he was cutting branches in that tree I was like, dude, I'll come out and move it. And while I was underneath moving it, a branch fell and almost hit me in the head Oof. and smashed the windshield. It's a good thing it didn't hit me. It would have totally messed me up. I have no idea how bad it would have been, but it smashed the windshield. Wow, holy crap. That's stupid. Or whatever you call that, that windshield-like windshield? thing. Windshield? But yeah, I know. It was Wind totally screen. crazy. I know windscreen. I was like, dude, I'm right underneath. What the fuck are you thinking? That almost, I don't know what that would have did, like crushed my skull through. What is the rush? So Did yeah, that totally. You? No, and that's the thing. So he he said he would, right? And I was like, okay, I'm not gonna push you if you. I think that that's an appropriate thing to do. But of course, he kind of just like ignored it, ignored my mm -hmm. messages. Came back a few days later to cut down another tree, and I was like, hey man, notice you've been ignoring my messages, whatever. And after a while, I was like, okay, I'm not gonna fight this, right? Like I know it's, it's it was at the time was actually a very important, whatever 150 bucks that I needed. But I was like, you know what? I'd rather it's just... It's only 150 bucks. That guy's working, too. I know. I was, I know. And I was, like, really on the fringes trying to sell that bike so that I could eat, like, shortly after that. <laughs> and, yeah, I still was like, you know, it's not worth it. I mean, again, if this guy only wins if I hold on to that. But as soon as, you know, he kind of turned the other cheek, he loses all that power. I mean, whatever. If he wants to be an asshole, he's going to be the kind of guy who's an asshole. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that to, you know, sort of manipulate me and how I want to navigate the world. I wasn't willing to like you know take this to court or do anything i already wasted too much time thinking about it so i was like no i'm done i don't care i can spend my time better yeah damn man it's unfortunate that we have to go through that but that was just a test to test how strong of a person you are <laughs> yeah i like putting that a test it reminds <laughs> me of when i was a lot younger and i grew up christian or grew up ukrainian catholic i suppose um and i remember definitely just doubting the church for a long time and but then later in high school sort of exploring it again on my completely on my own terms mm -hmm. and remember concluding that anything that was challenging was a test from god to see if i was being patient enough and i still like that now even though i don't you know i wouldn't say i have a god i still like that that mentality like a test yeah absolutely to test your patience to test your willpower or your kindness or your your loyalty or you know honesty when it's so tempting to lie or cheat or whatever it's mm -hmm. like Here's a test. So you believe in no gods at the moment? I mean, the funny thing is, is I believe in exactly what all, pretty much most of the religions describe as God. But unfortunately, that's not what a lot of people who follow those religions think God is. So in a lot of religions, God, like Brahman in Hinduism, or or um, Allah in... in, in uh, Brahman, you said? Brahman. What is Like Brahman? the idea of Brahman, it's like... I mean, it's in theory like a deity, sounds but sounds like ramen. Yeah, sounds like ramen, but it's like it's in at least from some of because I don't you know I can't read any of the original scriptures, but from some of the translations, Brahman is sort of what Buddhism might describe as um, I don't know Nirvana or not necessarily Nirvana. It's like the universe, basically, essentially the whole universe in all of its isness and all of its mystery. That's mm -hmm. kind of the idea of Brahman. And and in, in Hinduism, there's also Atman, which is kind of the idea of the ego. Um, but this, I think this is a common theme. And I think Jesus, too, was saying a lot of the same stuff. You know, it's like, son of God, I'm the son of God. You're all brothers and sisters. What does that make you guys, you know? So it's kind of this idea of, like, there's this greater thing, which a lot of people use as the word God from whatever religion they have. But ultimately, I mean, to me, it's just the universe. Again, in all of its mystery, in all of its isness, in all of its wholeness that's it 
and there's all these components within it, including myself. So to me, that would be, uh, yeah, I guess you could say I've got a God, but I would not call it a God. And it's definitely not a dude with a beard who's Some... telling you who to have sex with. <laughs> Before you're married. Yeah. Not. Well, that's a, it's another funny thing. I mean, Harari, even though Harari mentions this in one of his books, I'm a big fan of his. And something about like one moment you say God is the mystery of all mysteries. And the next moment you say, but God doesn't want you to do this. And I know that for sure. Like really, you know the mystery of all mysteries? How does that make any sense? So, what do you think of the word spirituality? Spirituality too, uh, okay, what I think of it recently is I definitely- I got attacked with this question. Really? Not attacked, Interesting. but I got asked this question and- uh, What did you say? Man, I think I can't even get a grasp. We cannot speak in words what spirituality mm -hmm. is. I think spirituality is indescribable with our words actually mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it's the the transcendence of another consciousness mm -hmm. it's a communication with other beings it's the states you get into when you're in a trance mm -hmm. um, or even the energy that gets you there it's one of those things but i cannot explain to someone how that i can try in words but it usually is out of body it's not yeah it's spiritual Definitely, that's a, I think one of the problems with any of these religions is they're all saying pretty much, it's at least it seems like the same thing, but unfortunately, as you said, this spiritual experience is not describable by words. It really isn't because yeah. there's only certain parts of our brain that can actually think in words. And I would argue that it's our consciousness, the, the ego that is capable of narrating in words and also imagining the future and the past. So the spirit, part of ourselves is a different part of our brain we like mm -hmm. in all aspects of this or like i'd love to be able to answer it but it is impossible because it's not in the shared brain space no the exactly. communication with the english language which is just made up recently mm -hmm. in our universe space time yeah um can't relate to what it it's another part of the brain. It is, it has value. It has value and it is ego. You can only relate every single English word with your relationship with mm -hmm. that word. And we kind of have similar relationships. We're on the planet at the same time. We're sharing the English yeah. language, but it doesn't connect with all the other parts of our brain and senses that they, we don't speak in words with them. No. To so I asked, the person was asking me if I'm spiritual, and I think the answer is you have to feel that for yourself. Mm. You feel if someone is spiritual. That's the only way to sense it. Oh, yeah, interesting. I don't think there's a way to even describe the feeling. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Sam Harris, I was listening to him, and he said something really cool about how he thinks, or at least he suggested in this this talk, that spirituality will become real in essence he said god has been pushed back farther and farther well, at one point god was medicine god was you know the weather but eventually we figured out irrigation eventually we figured out forecasts eventually we figured out western medicine and all of a sudden god got pushed further and farther back nobody even even religious people you don't go to church when you're sick you go to the hospital you know or a farmer goes to the you know get fertilizer he doesn't you know you might do a prayer but after he gets fertilizer yeah and he said the same thing about spirituality he said spirituality god is going to be pushed out of it we're going to realize that spirituality is real a real thing that we all experience and it's going to become this very cool 
Um, you know, one could say scientific, but I like the word real because it just becomes, you know, it's it all of a sudden becomes a landscape that we can actually navigate or at least explore instead of just this, oh God, mystery of all mysteries, we can't touch it. It's like, no, 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 we can touch that. We're going in. We're pushing God a little bit farther back. He's going behind spirituality. Are your parents handing down any of this freedom communication? Uh, no. <laughs> I know. I mean, I think... Mine aren't. Yeah, no, definitely not. I mean, I feel like I've learned a lot, obviously, from them, but this style, not at all. I'm not sure where I got it from. I think I just, for whatever reason, like others, um, such as yourself, it just biologically... Um, inept for this i'm not sure why but that's just the way it is i think some people might have other senses higher than others like hearing smelling vision yeah exactly um, ability to put together written uh english words mm -hmm. or sounds in their mind um, everyone's got different powers some people are more sentimental to other people or mm -hmm. sensual towards other people um i wouldn't even say i'm that but i think growing up i just wanted the opposite of how my parents were doing things or mm. how they were raised and how they were half raising me but from the mistakes they felt from my grandparents mm -hmm. or the, the grandparents they're saying like be free and so under those rules everything that went down with the rules of how you're supposed to communicate I'm just thinking okay how do I communicate differently mm. how do I and under the rules of what everyone will do <laughs> like try to find some beautiful love and maybe reproduce or get a stable job i'm doing the opposite because mm -hmm. apparently i'm trying to be free is what my parents might have wanted to be mm -hmm. but uh so now at a young age um from probably you know 10 12 you're starting to be able to really think for yourself a bit and get a grasp on mm -hmm later thinking of sentences of what when someone throws something at you you process you look at what's been thrown at you process it and act in an individual way mm -hmm. and then it's just been shaping for a long time that way to cool. then make me into still trying to speak honestly and then if you do yeah. that you're shaping your body into being accepting or being open and ready for other experiences uh -huh. um feeling other feelings um yeah because if you're close-minded not close-minded if you're speaking within the boundaries of things and you act in the boundaries of things you are not being open to other energies that exist mm -hmm. if you slightly feel a sensation of chill in a room that you walk into in an old apartment one person who is open to it will say there is a spirit in here mm -hmm. what is the ancient history of this home another person will say it's a draft i'm a little bit cold or maybe there was some food poisoning in that that's uh, yeah foe that i had <laughs> totally that's funny i'm totally the it's a chill guy it's just mm -hmm. a draft personally it's it's hard to that's no that's me that's 100 percent me yeah i'm a it's a draft kind of guy i would say i'm more that way too just simply because I know people I, otherwise. I mean, yeah, and totally. That's the thing. Actually, my my sister, my mother, I don't know about my father, but I know they grew up definitely thinking about ghosts and this and that, and, and it was a big part of when I grew up. And I remember really challenging it. In fact, I remember having memories of seeing Satan, 
uh, in the backyard during this crazy storm because my mom pulled out holy water and was saying Hail Mary and crying. And I just remember being so scared. Oh, I was I was just horrified. And I remember yeah. thinking, what if I looked out in the backyard and there was just Satan in, in the backyard? And the funny thing is I have this memory of looking in the backyard and seeing Satan, but I know that it never happened. Either I was hallucinating, which also is possible, but I'm pretty sure I didn't even look in the backyard. I just somehow recreated this memory. I've also done the same thing with seeing Jesus. I've seen Jesus, but I know I'm, I'm, I know deep down I haven't because I was just like creating this memory by wanting so badly to see Jesus. So anyway, when I Were grew up, what's spiritual there? <laughs> what's that? Being, was that being spiritual at a young age? Yeah, I mean, hallucinating. it's always that's the thing. I mean, I don't see a difference between the two hmm. hallucinations and spirituality. They're definitely hmm. not mutually exclusive. But I remember just deciding one time I, I had th- I had decided, OK, I was actually quite Christian on my own accord and then started going to these music festivals, became sort of this new, I don't know, hippie cosmic consciousness sort of idea. And I, that felt real, which was odd because the year before Jesus and, and everything else felt real. So then after doing some other things, I felt, oh, this is real. Buddhism is real. Then I just realized, man, fuck, I can just convince myself of any religion. Let's try atheism. Even though I don't feel like it works, I'm going to just commit to it. I'm going to do whatever logical sort of mantras I need to do to convince myself of atheism. And boom, it worked. Instantly, I was atheist. But the world is still the same. The universe was the same. Mm -hmm. And so that's when it clicked that I was like, man, there's there's something consistent here. I can somehow convince myself of any religion, any faith, including atheism, and then all of a sudden there's still just this universe. And that to me was like a sign of something that's real. But then anyway, okay, later I was claiming to be atheist, but I realized I still had quite a lot of fear about Satan and demons and stuff. And I remember doing this crazy, creepy test. I was just standing in my parents' basement in the dark. I remember realizing like, oh fuck, it's been years claiming to be atheist. I'm still scared of the devil. And I just was like, but no, 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 trying to always tell myself, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. But I just had to be humble and realize, fuck, Elijah, you are scared. And you need to stand here in the darkness and just, like, open yourself to Satan and everything. And, like, if he's real, let him take you down because I'm not going to be fucking scared anymore if this is not real. And I remember standing there and actually being so horrified because when you do this, you get this sensation someone's with you, this feeling that someone's with you. I just felt like someone breathing on my neck. And after standing there for long enough, being totally horrified, eventually it just dissipated and nobody touched me, nobody did anything. And the next night I remember thinking, okay, I passed that test. I don't believe in Satan anymore. And I remember knowing, fuck, I still am horrified. I have to do it again. Did it again and again every night for like a week maybe until the last night I was just standing in the darkness and there was no Satan, not, not at all. And that's when I was like, okay, maybe there is Satan, but now I'm not going to worry about it until he fucking shows up and does something. Because there's same with ghosts too. It's like I've done tests. They haven't so far given me any reason to be scared. They might exist, but I have no reason, no reason at all to, to think that they do. Mm. I got to get another battery. The, okay. uh, it's cold outside. Yeah. I think these batteries are dying quick. Okay. Um, yours is on, which is great. Remember chips being like staple in my diet when i was biking dude fuck yeah they're just so greasy they're so they're everything i need like all in one when i was i did a bicycle trip in spain and all i would eat is bread chips and tomatoes it was all fucking day like six bags of chips six baguettes and six tomatoes do you drink beer i well no i mean i like beer but not really kind of expensive it was really cheap in spain but yeah, that's awesome you went to Spain, man. When did you go? 
mm, two years ago. It was in. I had a geology field field school out there. So then I was like, oh, we had to be there for like ten days for doing some geology stuff. And I thought, man, I should go early and stay longer and bicycle. So then I like showed up to Barcelona and bicycled from there to the field school. Stayed there ten days doing geology, and then from there bicycled south to Madrid. <laughs> so it's kind of sick because I just like had my geology tools with me and my books on my bike ride, and just like eating chips and baguette and. I've been just so in love with Spain. Completely changed my life. Did some geology and hopped on my bike and it was so fun. Yeah. You just, you said you finished uh, geology in Saskatoon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So you, you're done school and you got bigger direction? Anything thought, thought out? This. Sweet. Yeah. This is a big direction and a, a bigger thing. I suppose, yeah. I mean... I, for a while. For now. That's the thing. I mean, this is it for now. I'm, this is all I got, really, is now. So, of course, there's other ideas. But, like, the original idea was once I graduated, bicycle south and go to um, bicycle south to Mexico and keep going south. Um, but, of course, things have changed. So, just trying to be, I mean, flexible. <laughs> People think I'm hardly flexible because I'm still, like, biking around, traveling Canada the whole time. But to me, I'm, like, I'm pretty flexible, I think. Yeah. My version of flexible. Everyone's supposed to live their life normally more or less right and this is mine so i'm still doing it yeah that's something that i like to come to terms with every once in a while is like this is i just have to do things that other people might find mm -hmm. different outlandish not safe mm -hmm. it's crazy in my own mind like i i wish maybe i was more like some other people sometimes mm -hmm. but because I'm just out here trying to figure out what I need to do exactly to feel great. And I feel uh, another trip coming soon and something big and weird. I was actually thinking about biking into the, the States down in Mexico. Dude. And podcasting the whole way through. Talking to Americans, strangers. Interesting. Very cool. And uh, I want to run into Duncan Trussell. And uh, he's a he's a comedian like Joe Rogan, okay. but a nice guy, and maybe do a podcast with him. Slash, he is a bigger podcaster, and okay. tell him I'm biking down to go see him. Love to talk to him. That'd be sick. It would be very wow. sick. Where is he? Uh, right now, North Carolina. Is there North and South Carolina? Do you know about that? The states? I don't know. I'm guessing there must be if there's a North Carolina. Uneducated but... Canadian. <laughs> yeah. That's true. But the Americans are uneducated about everywhere else in the world. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's school systems like that. Yeah, it's actually, it's interesting. I had done lots of, um, dirt bagging in the United States, uh, as well, but mostly in like Western, um, kind of in the same let's say latitude longitudes or longitude of of bc british columbia british columbia and, and saskatchewan so like wyoming montana north dakota a little bit mm. um so that i know a lot better but eastern united states and even eastern canada i didn't know for a long time because of course you learn it in school but i don't i don't use it i don't need it you know mm. the brain just kicks it out how do you like uh the americans down there um i mean my experiences were totally sick i mean like dirtbagging out there is so much better than in Canada. There's so much public land that's free to camp in, and it's just so much cool stuff geographically and geologically. It's just such a rad place. Um, it's it's better than Canada in a sense, but I feel like we got a 100%. lot of. Oh, way more. I mean, they got Yellowstone, man. I mean, they got deserts. They got this uh, the Sierra, the the Nevada Sierra. Mm. They've got you know like 
anything. I mean, even Alaska, if you count Alaska, but even if you cut that out, the con- well, I guess that's still continental. And Hawaii. Yeah, if you add Hawaii, then they really got it all. But <laughs> even ignoring Hawaii and Alaska, they seriously got it all, I think. It's huge. It's yeah. also very big. And, it's uh, so diverse. It goes very south as well, which yeah. is really cool. I mean, that's the other thing. They've taken islands from like Hawaii. They've taken... Um, Mexican states, so now they basically have like Mexico, like New Mexico, and even California. California is like what's Texas doing? It's yeah, the that was Mexico south, too, right? That yeah. was also Mexico, Texas. Yeah, so I think you. It's just interesting. I think there's a big spread in terms of of geography for sure, and even culture in the United States. Um, but of course, politically, I wouldn't personally want to be living there. But for traveling, it's pretty cool. Well, folks, just uh, gonna paint the picture for what's happening here. We're in Canada. There's snow on the ground. It's about minus five here in Golden, British Columbia. Just drove up from Radium, hanging out with Elijah. I heard from a beauty. Thank you so much, Farah, for seeing this post of how you're biking from Saskatchewan to Vancouver <laughs> for the fundraising the opioid crisis. Mm-hmm. And how did you get that motivation? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of people keep asking, oh, do you have a personal connection, right, for the, for the overdose crisis? That is one of my questions to you. Yeah. Yeah. The answer is no, I don't. And I don't think I need one. I mean, I met a lot of people going from, I don't know, traveling like this, you meet a lot of people, and if you're friendly and open, then you, you end up having conversations with people who happen to be on the street, living on the streets, and they'll tell you stories. To me, those are all personal enough. I didn't need anything more to realize that, like, man, this is tough. Uh, I can't imagine really actually being in any of those situations. And and again, a big motivation to me was, there's a few, I mean, there was that, um, meeting people who talked about trying to quit or, or just struggling with, with methamphetamines or opioids in the streets. There's homelessness was another big motivation um, where I was recently bicycling in Ontario and Quebec and realized it sucks being cold. And in fact, when I clicked that I didn't want to do it anymore, it was that moment where I was like, fuck, I got to keep doing this because... This time it'll be fundraising, but at the time I realized I just didn't want to do it, and there's so many people who don't have that choice. Hmm. So that was a big one. And then the third one is actually reading Aldous Huxley, reading the book Island, if you've ever read, or if you know nope. Aldous Huxley, author of Brave New World and Doors of Perception. No, they sound nice, though. They are nice. They're nice so, titles. So I think when was he? Around 30s, I think, was when um, Brave New World was around. That one's often compared with 1984, so pretty popular dystopia but this author he was uh, like a scientist researcher in whatever the early 20th century um, became very interested in psychedelics as at the time psychedelics were becoming a big deal uh, and way more research was going on and so he wrote this book called the doors of perception another one called heaven and hell based on his experience with uh, mescaline and he basically goes on about how it opened the doors. Well, actually, the, I forget who had quoted that, the doors of perception, but he had used that, where it opens the doors of perception to reality. And, and he felt like for the first time he'd finally seen the real world and all of its wholeness and all of its reality. And I'm sure you can hmm. you can agree or det- That's uh, funny. attest to something like that. People, uh, I'm just thinking about, uh, we, we're going to have folks listening from like Europe, Australia, um, no one really in Vietnam. I didn't really connect with many English-speaking people from there. Okay. But uh, people that I've run into all around, and they get to hear these stories too. Cool. But then you got your average mothers and fathers that might tune in. And uh, God, 
they, uh, I'm just hearing my mother's voice like, you don't need to find out the perception of reality and where it comes from. Okay, <laughs> You're totally. Fine. I... You don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's interesting. A lot of people will think that. They think that you don't need it. But yet at the same time, everyone's suffering. Whether you've got everything you need in the world, all the food, all the shelter, all the family, people are still stressed about money. People are still stressed about this or that. They're still scared of death. You know, people are just constantly bickering away at this suffering and it's because they're, well, as Sam Harris says, people are often thinking without knowing the thinking. That's one of the biggest problems. And, and Sam Harris himself had said that if it wasn't for his experience, which I think was with MDMA, he may have not realized the possibilities of consciousness and the mind. In fact, knowing the mind. And, and psychedelics have been used for thousands of years in all different cultures for this purpose. This is why there's shamans to do this sort of thing. And I think moving forward, there's already now, thankfully, some more research coming back, because earlier on when there was lots of research showing all the possibilities with psychedelics regarding PTSD, depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. addictions. And, and a lot of people are just, you know, they're still scared of psychedelics for whatever reason. Um, but at the same time, it's like the, the difference between this and the other drugs that they're using now, because people, by the way, are using drugs to, to you know, cope with depression and PTSD. So why is this different? I don't know. But um, the, the thing is, the drugs now are just a band-aid. You know, a lot of these drugs that you'll take for depression just, well, you know, try to boost up serotonin or just try to, like, basically numb everything. Mm -hmm. Whereas these psychedelic experiences are not actually necessarily positive. But at the same time, with therapy, whether that's from a shaman or from some other sort of psychedelic therapist, the whole point is to loosen the brain, to make it more, you know, this sort of neuroplasticity so that one can rework on memories, one can be fully aware of what they're thinking and recognize these sorts of things and to build new new pathways. And the interesting thing is, is meditation is doing the same sort of process. Mm. Children, are their brains are resembling those adults on psychedelics. So all of a sudden you have this all these different options and and so i don't know why people are so worried about psychedelics because ultimately you can use it in a similar way of meditation i think meditation for me has been completely life-changing I, mean, I suppose i've been meditating automatically without knowing it and without maybe having a choice my whole life and i'm just grateful to have whatever reason biologically be how would you say you're meditating your whole life how do you i am because when someone asks you like if you meditate like you sit cross-legged straight spine and mm -hmm think about your breath or it varies very much that yes but at the same time every moment in theory i'm doing my best to meditate the whole idea is of meditation to me is, is mindfulness paying attention to your own thoughts uh, essentially and to me i'm doing that all the time even while we're talking as you're saying something if i'm thinking something but also listening i'm also noticing that i'm thinking something and also listening so that's all i'm trying to do constantly 24 7 and i'm totally addicted to that process for whatever reason it feels very real understanding how your body is behaving is to, the meditation to me the meditation is recognizing yeah like every little bit every little bit of my fingers touching each other or it's more specifically even my thoughts i think that's a big one that is easily forgotten is noticing every thought that pops up it's so easy that there's thousands of thoughts that pop up and you don't realize that and to me when i was younger and i had started smoking weed that's when it clicked and i'm like i was like man i feel like i'm thinking a million things but i'm quite certain that it's always like this and all of a sudden all these subconscious thoughts were just right there floating at the surface and i could just scoop up at, at the surface and pick them up so for me meditation as a child what it was like was just for whatever reason again biologically for i don't know somehow this was natural for me i remember playing soccer i don't know how old i was like eight or something and you know this soccer 
club school thing. Yeah. And chasing the ball, everything was fine and Danny, and all of a sudden clicked. I'm like, why are we chasing this ball? You know, like, <laughs> I don't get it. You know, why can't I pick it up? I know if I pick it up, everyone's going to be really upset with me. And then I remember looking around at all the kids and I'm like, man, they're really serious about this. Yeah. Like, so serious. I don't mind the rules so we can play and have fun, but, like, they're just rules, you know? No one's going to die if I pick up this ball. So it just, I remember at <laughs> that moment, no, I remember just That's deciding to run with them until I was, like, off the thing and then climbing some trees and never wanting to play soccer again. Whoa. The rules, eh? Didn't want to fit in with those rules. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that I, I didn't want to... I, I'm totally okay with fitting in with the rules, but the rules, I want people to remember that they are rules that we had written for ourselves. And mm-hmm. I think that, to me, is what bothered me. It was like, I'm surrounded by these people who really think that soccer is this thing with these rules. That's it. Totally forgetting that it was invented. Totally forgetting that it's just for fun. You know, even if it's not for fun, it's really competitive. That's fine. But still, like, hello, it's just a made-up competition, you guys. Dude. That's how people can make so much money off of it, too. The made-up competition that we've made. And if you set rules in a certain way and a whole bunch of people follow, that's like a cult. And the culture, Uh these days, you can play that game with the rules, kicking a ball around and just not picking it up with your hands and make so much money. It's one of the... It is the most popular sport. Soccer. In the world. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Globally. It's interesting. Again, I think to me, it's just so much more. I mean, some people will, will I'll say something like that, and they're like, Elijah, you're overthinking it. Just enjoy game soccer. <laughs> but, you know, it's like. That sounds like you were thinking from a very young age. Yeah. Consciously, thoughts are running potentially faster than others. Um, words, um, sentences mm. are coming to your frontal cortex, and you're processing them. Um, and it distracts you, in a sense. Did you. Uh, ever get told you had ADD when you were yeah. younger? Yeah, you... and they remember the teacher telling my parents that you need to do something about your son. And actually, they were really cool about it. They're like, no, 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 you need to do something about our son. If he is too much energy, kick him out. Send him in the hallways. Make him do a few laps, and he'll come back with less energy. So they were just like, they were really, really flexible about it. And, Great. And that was, yeah, Didn't that was it. You. Yeah, which was really good, and I think good for me because... Yeah, I would be really hyperactive, but I would be constantly paying attention. I'd know exactly what happened, and I'd fill out all the answers instantly and be done. Mm. And then I'd still just be fidgety. So Shit, dude. That's my thought is uh, people, some people think faster than others, and those are the people that people claim have ADD. Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. are the, they're just like faster thinking than you, mm-hmm. and you can't keep up, and you don't get it. And they're bored with what you have going mm-hmm. on because exactly. they've thought about it already. They've yeah. processed it. They've thought about it oh, faster than you. Mm-hmm. That's one thing, too, right? With uh, some people have better hearing, smell, vision. Yeah. Some people just think straight up faster. Yeah, it's interesting. Some of the other things I've had, though, is is the sort of weird alteration of consciousness that I had had it always when I was young and when I had smoked weed uh, for the first time later on. That's what I was like, this is what's been happening all these years. And it's basically this dreamlike state. I remember being a young kid on some sort of like school hike. And it's same thing. That moment clicked where I'm just like, what's the point of us walking around the mud? Why not walk through it? So I walked through the mud and they're all, I started saying some weird stuff to them, like about what's the point of anything, you know, well, how do we know this is real? And then thinking I had heat stroke and they gave me a juice box. And I just remember that moment and thinking about it now where, and I have, I have this happen often. It's basically, it is like being high. Basically what happens is just randomly for whatever reason, 
I lose track of time, I lose track of space. Spatial awareness is especially very bizarre. I'll get this weird depth perception thing, such that you look infinitely far away. I sort of shrink into this infinitely small point behind my eyes. Time itself sort of falls away, and then I really don't know if I'm in a dream, or if I'm alive, or if I'm dead in 20 years thinking about this, or if just hallucination, and I'm a totally different human having a psychedelic experience about some character Elijah that's never existed, because I've had dreams about being totally different people, and when I woke up, I'm like, holy fuck, who am I? I thought I was that guy that I just had a dream about. I totally forgot about Elijah. Do you drink coffee? No. Yeah, maybe you don't need to. Yeah, I cannot. Yeah, it sometimes totally I get into me. something similar with coffee. Oh yeah, I uh, just feel like I'm thinking too fast, and uh, I just am walking around, and I feel very floaty. Mm-hmm. Come come to a room, and people are talking to me, and I can like almost not get a grip on what they're saying, uh-huh. floating around. Yeah, what is all this? <laughs> is a thought I might have like. Is this, am I really, am I, am I here? Am I thinking too fast? What is going, oh, I need to answer that person's question. Right. Because that <laughs> human talked to me. And usually, I don't want them to get freaked out. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's the thing is, it had occurred to me, thankfully, with these experiences and perhaps not having a choice, because otherwise I maybe would have gone crazy and killed myself. Not that killing yourself makes you crazy. I'm just saying I probably would have, you know, suffered enough such that killing myself was the only way out of it. Thankfully, I somehow, for whatever reason, um, had taken a different turn, which was, you know, sort of trusting it and exploring it. And to me, that was the best option. And I think for that reason, it's a good option for a lot of people is to trust it and explore it, explore the mind and what, what it's capable of. But I think to me, I realize that consciousness is not just this thing. And I think people just think it's like, here I am going to my day to day, got to get to work, et cetera, whatever, however it feels. But they forget that right before you faint, there's this very strange sense of consciousness that you just don't care about the world. Right when you wake up, I notice that all the time, right as I'm waking up from a nap, I'm like, man, if the house is burning, I wouldn't care, just put me back to sleep, you know? I just noticed this totally change of, of priorities in, in, in the world, it's just like, so to me, I realized, okay, consciousness is more like this big map, and I was just trying to like connect the dots to see what it made, and I realized that it's more like, this three-dimensional space it's just so much to explore and and I just now this is what I want to do is explore consciousness and have been doing that thankfully with a lot of meditation a lot of not psychedelics uh, I just I don't know for some reason don't feel like they're fit for me at the moment but I do feel it very important to explore my own consciousness and for some reason I feel it very important to help people explore their own consciousness mm-hmm. that can be psychedelics can be really confusing yeah they can because they're brought in by a foreign source, mm-hmm. either through whatever you're doing, it, whatever kind of cactus, whatever mushroom, whatever mm-hmm. chemical. And that's not entirely you going, like, going out for a walk and leaving yourself a trail of thoughts mm-hmm. and where you, what productive thought pattern you're going down and trying to figure out through meditation or when you're just sitting in thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I find me sitting consciously without psychedelics i am leaving like a cookie trail behind me and i understand where i am more Mm -hmm. as opposed to the psychedelic realm thinking or meditation in that you just get dropped somewhere Mm -hmm. and then you figure it out Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really it never made sense how you got there Mm -hmm. it is amazing that you're there in the thoughts Mm -hmm. like maybe it's a new place in the forest or a new this is an analogy about 
uh, going out for a walk as in the walk through your narrow pathways yeah. to go find or even land in a new spot in your mind and then try to connect to the old part of your mind, uh -huh. the trail. It's funny you mentioned this sort of very, let's say, geographical sort of representation of a psychedelic experience because Aldous Huxley in, in The Doors of Perception, I think, or Heaven Hell, either one, both about his mescaline experience, described it in this way, and he had made the parallel to Australia, which at the time was kind of like, here's Australia with these weird exotic animals, marsupials everywhere, you know, and he said, here's the Australia of your mind, psychedelics will take you there. And it's bizarre and kind of confusing, but it works more or less in the same way as, as North America. And it's just different and you need to get used to it, but we can consistently get there and we can explore it and we can better understand it. Mm. And so he kind of made this very interesting sort of parallel as he described getting dropped in his new land and exploring. It's really neat when a whole bunch of people are on it together. Mm -hmm. And uh, after getting all dropped there and the panic is over of being dropped in Australia, and you're there for a while and you're together with a few people, things kind of mellow out and you live just different. Mm -hmm. You're there. So my experiences would be at a festival um, or just sometimes going out for a big walk or some camping trip or something. We might all have some mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And then at first it's a little bit weird, but then suddenly we become the new beings mm -hmm. that are on that thought pattern or in Australia now, in the mind is different and we're all that way and you're all there mm -hmm. together thinking you would never act that way normally but you can understand that people and it feels that same way that people are seeing the trees the same way as you and mm -hmm. notice something about the trees the same mm -hmm. rather than usually conscious you're not looking at trees noticeably you're thinking about other things this is the thing i think about oh, i think a lot of these psychedelic experiences Welcome to train everybody yeah <laughs> The, the, I think a lot of these psychedelic experiences, the way people describe them, at least, because I've only taken mushrooms once enough to have a psychedelic experience, a lot of people describe them as noticing all these patterns, let's say, noticing all these features, uh, whether it's a tree and noticing all the, the textures of the bark, noticing a person's face. That was my experience. I was with my sister. Uh, and she hadn't taken mushrooms, but I remember just looking at her and for the first time ever realizing what her face looked like and it just clicked right then and there I'm like how have I missed who you actually are for all these years the brain has just taken in shortcuts uh, or taken in all the data and then turned it into my hallucination which is reality and then that reality is not actually what's real I'm not actually looking at all the features of her face I'm just using what's enough to sort of identify oh, her crap. so when I saw her it was actually quite frightening because I almost didn't recognize her at first and I just remember looking at her, I'm like, my gosh, this is who you are. And it, the whole world was like that, trees, everything. And I think that's what, why they, a lot of people call it the doors of perception. You know, this is reality. Of course, it's a reality that is not very um, easy to navigate in terms of survival. Uh, and so taking mushrooms is not a good way to drive a car, you know, it's not a good way to go to work. But of course, at the same time, it reveals something about the nature of reality and also the nature of your own mind, especially because it reveals reality in its trueness. If you pay attention to your mind through meditation, it shows your mind in a very scary sometimes, but humbling trueness. How are you meditating lately? Um, because of the cold, I can't do, what I usually like to do is just, I don't know, stand still, you know, but because of the cold, that can make things tough. But again, meditating for me is my best at every moment to be paying attention to my own thoughts. 
what I really usually like to do is, especially with the sun, somehow the sun has always done it for me for years and years and years, again, since I was young, I would always, I would always like have, especially this four o'clock, maybe now three o'clock sun, but in the summer, four or five o'clock sun, it's sort of got this like, this fog of dust in the in the house you know where there's like that tunnel of light when it hits my face i would kind of squint and i could see the side of my nose and my eyelashes and i remember when i was younger looking at that and realizing wow my eyelashes are there they're real they're massive imagine if i was this tiny microbe my eyelashes would be the entire world and same thing with my nose somehow i could visualize that that there's something more than me there's another way of seeing the world so to me that was this very cool way of meditating people look at you <laughs> so like everything you're looking out of your eyes and you're not seeing what how people look at you mm-hmm. i have no idea what you think of me mm-hmm. where i woke up truly that i know mm-hmm. and people don't often think about that all the time you shouldn't no. be self-conscious walking around think like that everyone's thinking about what you're doing but the way that someone looks at you and the way that you looked at your sister that one time mm-hmm. looking at potentially just the way that her face is shaped as opposed to just the face identifying that that's the sister you're like yeah observing the eye color the eyelashes the eyelash versus the eyebrow uh-huh. you're tripping man yeah i remember <laughs> at the time it started raining and i remember looking up and thinking is there always this many raindrops you know, it just clicked. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of raindrops. And same thing, you can say something like that, and again, maybe your mother would be like, oh my gosh, mushrooms, whatever. Yeah. Of course, he sees all the raindrops, but the, to me, that was like this revelating moment. I'm like, fuck, how many times have I seen rain and been completely blind to it? I would see rain as this thing. Here it is, one thing, rain. That's it. And that moment, I realized what it really was. And it was like, it was overwhelming, really pretty crazy that one raindrop could fuck up your phone going in the wrong spot yeah just one just one it doesn't often do that though no when it rains out i still talk on the phone yeah i i remember yeah people would like my buddy would always pull his phone out kind of crazy times we we did this meditation in this like sauna or something because he wanted to show me sam harris because i didn't know if the guy at the time and uh, it was like dude it's foggy and hot in here your phone's gonna break no it's fine are you sure? All that? <laughs> Whatever. You did it. We did meditation. Sam Harris, is he uh, a Vice documentary guy? Mm, I have no idea. He he is a neuroscientist, um, but very big on my meditation and mindfulness. And, and But he's also very notorious, very famous for being an atheist, a very intense atheist. So I think for a lot of people, I think that that's where they should go when they're curious about meditation because for a lot of people that are concerned about meditation with respect to, yeah, sitting cross-legged, lighting incense, saying some mantras, you know, this sort of relationship to Buddhism. And, and he said it himself. He said Buddhism um, has it at its core values and it's easier to access than other religions, but it's still full of all this this nonsense. There's all this unfortunate mistranslation and, and abuse that leads to corruption like most religions. So I think his... The way he describes it is really, really impressive, really digestible. Awesome. Have you read all his material or something? No, I haven't read much at all, actually. Uh, I'd read just only Free Will, which was uh, given to me by a friend, and it talks about how we don't have free will. But again, at the time, I already had known that. Take that, suckers. Yeah. You got no freedom. That's the thing. I mean, people are worried about it. I I had come to that sort of conclusion thanks to physics. That was kind of where I'd came to the conclusion of no free will but he had brought it up from a 
a neuroscientific perspective and also a subjective perspective if you pay enough attention to your own mind. And to me, it was really nice to see the same sort of conclusion with a totally different pathway because it sort of solidified my uh, concept of no free will, mm. which is great because I, I don't know, sometimes when I talk to people and they're really like debating when I'm, I don't want to debate or argue, but when I sometimes come into these things and we're arguing with, I'm arguing with someone, it's kind of frustrating because I'm not trying to be right. In fact, I want them to prove me wrong. If they say I'm wrong, please, please tell me I'm wrong because I only seek the truth. But when I'm doing everything I can and we're still arguing, I either think I just don't get it, what they're saying, and I'm really just still wrong, or they don't get it. And I, I don't know, it doesn't really matter at that point, but it's just kind of, it can be frustrating because of the, when people think I want to be right. what's in common, you're not understanding each other. Yeah. That's one thing in common. That is. That's the similarity. Uh-huh, that's true. Have you felt really clear from biking? Were you keeping yourself in shape right before the bike trip? This summer, actually, I'm usually not. I'm usually doing a lot of training. Uh, I usually rock climb, and, and in fact, I had kind of become obsessed with with calisthenics and physical training to the point where it was very unhealthy so it had Ooh. sort of its negative for sure yeah, start drinking more beer yeah it was odd it was i remember being in like i don't know it was like christmas with my to. girlfriend at the time with her family and i was like hiding in the bathroom and garage doing push-ups and stuff and like i've done push-ups till i've cried you know like it's it was pretty fucked up Holy. And in fact, my mushroom experience was that uh, I did push-ups until I cried, and it was kind of really sad and scary. But thankfully, what is I, the drive to push yourself that much? That's what I spent, and thankfully, a summer meditating about. I, I got really lucky with this one geological field work up north, and we had a lot of time on our own um, with nothing. Um, there was Wi-Fi, but I pretended there wasn't, so I just didn't use it, and then got a lot of time to meditate. And I was trying to navigate that because I was thinking, why the fuck do I? Why am I so addicted to this? And thankfully, again, reading something from Yuval Noah Harari, he mentioned this obsession with being in the moment. And that's when it clicked for me. I was like, the only reason I'm obsessed with exercise is because so many times from doing exercise, you'll be in the moment. This is the same reason that we might crave anything, crave a meal, crave not doing exercise when you're doing exercise, and crave doing exercise when you're not doing exercise, crave being with a person, crave sex. Anything we've ever craved or are wanting, it's, it's because it was at one point, at least once in the past, brought us to the moment, really in the present, really existing in the isness of it all. And so to me, I realized, fuck, okay, there's no point in doing these push-ups because what, what made it suffering for me was when I was doing them and not in that present push-up, but thinking about the next one, thinking about the next one, thinking about the next one. And it would only put me in the moment when I got to that point that it would be like, you know, like breaking down, like physically so far at that moment only would I finally be in the moment. And it was that moment that I was craving and so addicted to. Holy crap. And uh, that would give you some potentially chemical release in your mind, um, being that far in the moment. Wow, that's the funny thing is being in that moment is like being in any moment. There's nothing inherently special about that push-up. It was only just to get that sensation of being in the moment. That's it. Well, you, do you ever think about other people when you're doing them? Do you think that you are outdoing other people or this would be the right thing that I should do for exceeding or um, excelling yourself? Uh, yes and no. I don't think a lot of that. Uh, sometimes, I suppose. Um, As you're doing push-ups. Like, it's just a way to it was be in the moment. Be in the moment, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. It was kind of strange because 
it, sometimes I would sort of motivate myself um, to sort of with sex, let's say. I would say, okay, if I do enough push-ups, in theory, uh, a body becomes sexier, in theory, for whatever reason, even though it's totally not true. Um, in fact, my lifestyle at the time was totally unsexy, regardless of how many push-ups I did. And it was odd that I would use that as a motivation because sex is totally out of my out of my realm. I don't know anything about it. I mean, I'm very unfamiliar. And, <laughs> and for some reason, I liked the position of of or I don't know I would somehow use that to motivate me even though I knew or I know now deep down that was not the reason I wanted to do that's a large motivator I think for males um Uh maybe actually probably a lot of females as well I think so like a deep rooted thought Mm -hmm. massively deep rooted as deep rooted as uh the fear of death itself the procreation Uh uh-huh yeah, I mean, it's, it makes sense. It's biological, you know. And that's another thing when I was, remember feeling emotional about a particular relationship, breakup, and just being okay with it. I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. Why am I upset? Because we're a social animal. Having, you know, social ties makes sense. Uh, you if know, you're having a good time getting dopamine releases, each yeah, pump. Yeah, exactly. Each, each hip thrust into that beautiful softness. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, and that's the thing. I think for that reason, people want sex because at least once it'll put them in the moment. Um, but again, you might go through in, an entire um, duration of sex, however you know much that ranges from foreplay or not. Hopefully, with foreplay, I mean that's the nicest way to do it. But some people are kind of in a rush. <laughs> um, you can do that whole thing without being in the moment, and it can be really dissatisfying. I think sex can be so bad so many 100%. times people can like the my first time <laughs> yeah of course yeah I mean, right and then obviously other times yeah noticeably totally i think the, the the trick and i think this applies to everything you know like sex or a meal just to be really paying attention really present in the moment and if you're distracted that's fine because as an animal as a human we were designed to be thinking of other things and planning all the time notice it and if you notice it then it's all of a sudden not a distraction noticing your own distraction is almost like watching a crow or or an eagle or something fly by while you're in the forest you're still in the forest but you just noticed a bird fly by jesus so I'm bringing this back to sex and I don't know, maybe someone farting or Mm. someone coming into the house and it's a quiet house, but you're being noisy. You're noticing it, but you're still having sex, but that doesn't, the crow flies by, but that's normal to the sexual, sorry, that's normal to the forest experience. Uh So that doesn't really seem like it's distracting you from the, that actually brings you into it. Uh So... How did we tie this into... How did you tie this from the sex to the distraction in the forest? Oh, because I just think... Let's say when you're eating a meal... And again, you can pretend this is sex however you want. Let's say, <laughs> let's say in this case, eating meals is an analogy macaroni. to... Right, exactly. So uh, to me, there's really no difference. When you're eating this meal, you're thinking, let's say, potentially a thought comes up. Oh, I, I forgot to answer this email back. Again, that's totally fine, but it took you out of the meal. Again, that's also totally fine as long as you recognize that it took you out of the meal because then all of a sudden you can be, I'm totally engaged in this thought about the email, that's okay. But now I'm going to go back to my meal and enjoy this meal. Or if you want to not enjoy the meal, that's fine, but just be aware of it. Otherwise, you'll just be thinking about emails, thinking about this, thinking about going to work, and boom, I finished my meal. Fuck, I was really looking forward to this, this breakfast I made, 
and I didn't even notice I ate it. And I think the same thing can happen with sex. Um, in the case of sex, a lot of the thoughts will be different. A lot of insecurities. Um, women are often Fuck, you worried think about, about not orgasming. Guys are worried about you know? orgasming. You know, all these sorts of things. And if that's all you're thinking about, then you're like, are we even having sex? <laughs> you know? Jesus. Oh, God. Yeah, imagine thinking about your email, eh? And you're, why? Yeah. <laughs> you're just in the middle of it. Beautiful girl. But in a sense, that'll happen less if that's the case if there is someone that you actually really want to be focused on and you do care deeply about i think yes and no i i think yes but at the same time again away from sex it should be possible in any moment even if you're eating a shitty meal you know if this even if the sex happens to not be good you can just say okay this moment for whatever reason sex is not good i'm going to be 100 percent engaged with, with not very good sex and that's the trick is just being 100 percent engaged with whatever it is in front of you and I think in that way, all of a sudden, everything becomes really quite sacred, really quite beautiful, really quite marvelous. And and all of a sudden, you can think of it, let's say, in the case of a bad meal or, you know, let's say, a not very good sex or somebody you're not comfortable with. There's no other experience that will be parallel to that. It's so unique, beautifully unique. Everything Even if it's so, shitty, it's beautifully unique. So unique. Yep. That takes conscious energy and people need to be healthy and have slept to mm. be able to think about where they are and what is happening around them. Yes. People with it's, addictions on the street, uh-huh. are, they're not able to think about where they're at and with, what they're up to exactly and where their body's at and what they're capable of and how this, like, or are they deeply, deeply, super deeply in the moment and, like, mm-hmm. really loving potentially a needle going inside of them and feeling it so that's the thing is that's what they're craving and that's no different than anybody else that's to me why it's so personal with any stranger i've ever met about that because it's it's the same process all they're craving is to be right there in that moment and unfortunately they've gotten themselves trapped into a physical addiction in which the only way to be in that moment is to have that needle um, or to have that smoke of, of crack um, but to me, it's it's mentally so similar to anybody else. And, and in, unfortunately, due to socioeconomic issues, um, mental health can manifest in very different ways. Uh, so I think really exposing the overdose crisis and exposing our current drug policies and how, how big of a failure the war on drugs is also ideally shed some light on some socioeconomic factors for certain individuals and communities which have been troubled with cycles, generations, families of abuse, crime, drugs, suicide for many years. Um, But I also, I can't stop thinking about, okay, there's these communities that are struggling, but at the same time, you still have privileged communities, whatever you want to to make out of that, uh, who also fall into the grips of crippling anxiety, depression, suicide, drugs. You know, again, it's like, okay, so what is it? Clearly not just having enough food is not just the only answer. Of course, that's a big help is having a community, having friends and family, having meaning. Um, and of course, a lot of people find meaning in, I don't know what, the consumer's belief. I'm not sure what they find meaning in. A lot of people still want to believe in some sort of God, but unfortunately, modern science has kind of obliterated God. Not that science has obliterated God, but it's just easy to push God farther and further back, which people, again, start to lose meaning in life. Communities have kind of fallen apart unless you can join a yoga club, unless it's got a name on the community. You know, again, you don't talk to somebody in front of the grocery store unless they're from your yoga club takes up your time it, it's distracting because you have all these ideas because well individualism or like the idea mm-hmm. of uh doing the best for yourself and you're up it's up to you to do the best for yourself um 
that doesn't help me want to talk to people at the grocery mm-hmm. store, unfortunately. And, you know, at times I'm probably not perfectly in tune with the moment and the nicest person on the planet or even the best uh, ecologically for the planet mm-hmm. that I want to be, mm-hmm. you know? Um, what the hell? That's unfortunate to say. I think it's probably true for everyone in uh-huh. not being absolutely the best person you can be all the time because you don't have enough time to think about it to get all the angles to make it all perfect Mm -hmm. do you think you're trying to figure out some way to help all all sides of the so the people like who are probably obviously more impoverished less Mm -hmm. educated um to then have like much more struggle and lot a lot less of an open window of a mind of ideas Mm -hmm. to be able to attack. And you were saying as well, people are running high on anxiety, stresses, um, go through their own addictions, um, abuse, even in rich neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. It's happening to everybody. Now, we just got to figure out the common denominator. That's, that's, that's what this is to me. To me, I feel like from doing reading, doing a lot of thinking, to me, this is my attempt at what I think of a common denominator. And and some people have challenged me, and that's good. Again, I want to be challenged. I don't necessarily think this is right, but I think this is enough, right enough for me to be willing to try. I I just see, again, this is a mental health crisis. Trying in uh, with the actual physical biking or for... For, for me, that's, that's how I'm doing it. That's, to me, what I see is the common denominator again being mental health not being present essentially not being paying attention not knowing oneself not really being true and honest and humble with your own thoughts that come up in your head we don't realize how little we know ourselves so to me i think meditation is a good way to do this but of course a lot of people think meditation is some evil you know blasphemic thing hippy dippy hippy dippy exactly and that's why i like the way sam harris talks about it because he's very pragmatic very scientific very atheist and neuroscientist so i think he just sheds light on the fact that it's like exercise you know he uh, somebody else had said you know meditation can be the exercise it is exercise pushing those pedals man over and over and over you're in a mega (laughs) trance but this is the thing i think that is not inherently going to bring me to a meditational trance there's, yeah. there's nothing that really can. I think, I suppose there are things that automatically do it. Again, sex, pain, these things automatically bring us in the moment. And that's why people crave them, uh, including suffering, emotional pain. That's why we sit and bask in our own, our own insecurities. Because for whatever reason, once in a while, you can get so frustrated from your emotional, you know, uh, suffering that it feels very real and you're brought in the moment. But I think to me, it's, it's that, it's the lack of, of paying attention to one's mind that causes people to suffer. And you can do that all the time from every meal, from sex, from walking on stones, if that's what you do, um, or from biking. But again, biking is not going to force me necessarily into a meditational experience. Yeah, but through biking, you're getting somewhere with a lower impact. You're doing it at a time that is not comfortable for other people. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I bet if if it was another world where this was all comfortable and everyone biked from Saskatchewan over to Vancouver, you would probably upstep it again because that's the kind of person you are. Yeah. And to, I think it's just what you're doing that is a little bit, you're a young, tall man who seems to be fit and able, you're a perfect candidate to be able to do 
um, things that are harder than uh, what smaller, um, less fit people can do. Um, and you're pushing your own boundary to a comfortable level so you don't die on us. Mm-hmm. And therefore inspiring people to bring awareness to just, uh, I guess, take awareness away from what they're doing in their everyday lives and an issue. Yeah. Maybe maybe even bigger, <laughs> like you're bringing an issue, uh, the awareness to the 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 biggest problem of not being focused on the moment that to me is the biggest problem and unfortunately it's a privilege to be able to even come to that conclusion and i realized yeah. that and this is also why buddha um you know uh, gautama he came to this conclusion because he was privileged and was able to do this sort of, sort of journey and so a friend of mine had very you know nicely humbled nicely humbled me by suggesting that, you know, it's very privileged to think this. You're right, but everything in my life is privileged. And every meal is privileged, so I don't think it's a reason to just not think like this. And for that reason, I think everybody deserves to have the access or at least the knowledge to meditate. To me, meditation, again, is much more parallel to learning mathematics. It's a part of the brain that can be strengthened. And at a young age, I think it's far easier to teach everybody. Some people are going to be naturally better than others. And they didn't show us at all. No, they didn't teach us anything. God damn. And that's the thing. It is really hard. But then there's some people who are naturally mathematics no matter what. And I suppose similarly, there's some people who are naturally meditative for whatever reason. And so that's, I think, what, who Jesus was, Buddha, all these guys who talk a lot about meditation, including Jesus. He meditated right before he was put to the cross. Um, and he was meditating in the garden. So I think for that reason, like mathematics or, or like other things, we can learn this. This is a physical thing in our brain that we can strengthen. And we need to be teaching this to, to young people so that you, when you come across uh, anxiety or depression, uh, a heartbreak or jealousy... You're not outraged such that you kill the person who slept with your girlfriend, you know, or you or you steal money from the church because you really needed money. Okay, maybe you really needed money, but there's still another way. You can even ask. And maybe you're the owner of the church and somebody asks you for money instead of thinking the church needs money more than you, they actually give it away. I mean, I'm not saying the churches don't do that, but all I'm saying is that greed ultimately comes out of not being aware of your own emotions and letting those cravings take over. Mm-hmm. Motherfuckers. Yo, we're having technical difficulties with the cold killing the batteries on the microphones. So this chat's getting rowdy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> this Tascam microphone, though, is holding up stronger than the Zoom, just so everybody knows. Hey, uh, what are you eating? Uh, I started making these energy bars because I was buying other ones and realized that I really can't afford it and should have stopped a long time ago. So I was like, fuck, I need to make something else. So energy bars are expensive so yeah, is they are. kombucha yeah what i've seen mm-hmm. seen and felt so oh, the amazing things man mm-hmm. hummus too <laughs> yeah hummus is expensive but uh i heard that some people that someone who walked across scotland i guess um only bringing peanut butter and one other thing just because they're the most calorically dense food to bring I ate a shit ton of peanut butter yeah like an absurd amount but i'll be honest i would need a lot like i just finished a whole can i say something i finished like 650 grams or whatever those little the standard craft peanut butter crunchy natural 
crush it in like three days, man. So how long have you been biking exactly? Shit, I've been on the road for two weeks, over two weeks. January 1st, I left. What do you, how many average kilometers are you doing a day? Mm, fuck. It really depends, man. One day, crazy headwinds busted my ass for 50 kilometers and was fucking pooped. Next yeah. day, no wind, 120 kilometers in a few hours, five hours. Yeah. And not pooped at all. Just so excited. Do you know how fast it makes such a big difference. So again, with no wind, no wind at all, flat, 23 kilometers an hour. That's it. That was kind of me too. Mm-hmm. Maybe 24. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, just max on on the bike that I had. Mm-hmm. Max gear and just like the flow it yeah. seems to be that fast. I hear that with other humans too that do bike packing. Yeah, I mean to me, 20 kilometers is already pretty good. I mean, with the wind this year. I like year, the number. Yeah, I just like the number. Me too. <laughs> For the mathematics of how far and how yeah. long I'm biking. Yeah, I agree. But it doesn't fucking matter because every moment's beautiful and I don't care. I don't need to get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Only the first hour in, just already thinking that. Just like, yeah, oh, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, I'm not even going to look at the time. doesn't matter. I'm just pedaling. Just it's look the at only stuff. Way. It's the only way. There's all these... It's a hill. Oh, strange. Cool. I'm going to bike up it. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. Actually, in fact, I like hills. I'm a big fan of hills. I'm saying you're only biking when you bike uphill. Oh, yeah? When you're flat, you don't really feel anything. You just go on 24 kilometers an hour. Dude, when you're going down, I dare you nothing. to try Saskatoon to fucking Camor then. Heading against that headwind is oh, a beast, man. I never had that's why I like. That's why I like hills. They're so much easier, man. True. They're so much easier. The wind is like going uphill, but... It doesn't stop ever. You never get to go downhill. And then unlike going up a hill where you can just kind of get in this really cool zone and go up, the wind is like this being. It shakes you. It pushes you this way. One moment pushes you this way into traffic. Another moment just stops you completely. And the whole time it's just fucking yelling in your face and in your ears. And you can't even talk without, you know, hearing the wind pushing back at your voice. It's just like you can't think. Oh, I hate the wind. It's my biggest enemy. (laughs) So do you, uh, do you like the wind at all, like any other time? No. (laughs) No, it's made me hate the wind completely. I just detest. I grew up in this town, and there's not a lot of wind either, and I notice it whenever I'm, I don't know, maybe Vancouver, the coast, Victoria, um, other countries, uh, windy, not Wanaka, um, Wellington. Wellington. Windy Wellington. New Zealand? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Have you been there? No, but I know. I know somebody who's been. Windy Wellington. I remember just being there and being like, fuck, this is, it's just. It's the worst. By man. the ocean, getting colder quicker. Yeah, the wind sucks. Brutal. <laughs> I hate the wind, man. I, on the way, and there's really, I mean, it was consistently strong winds all the way going west, uh, east to west, as it usually is. But this year, because of the warm weather, the winds have been particularly strong. Mm. So everyone was really stoked. Oh, I'm so glad you got warm weather. Don't be happy. These fucking Chinooks are kicking my ass. They've added, like, multiple days to this trip. Mm. Multiple. Shit. And, and on my way into Camor... I was going to get there one afternoon. It took me two, and a lot of it was spent pushing my bike because there were these gusts up to, like, 90 kilometers an hour. Wow. Which, for, I don't know, a lot of people maybe don't have context, that's, like, pails flying through the air and sticks and rocks and, like, standing there pushing your bike at best, sometimes just standing there trying not to get blown over. Wow. It's so crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Are you on a time schedule? Yes and no. What's on the other side? Uh, Broke. So I need to get there as soon as I can so that I have some money to eat when I get to the end. Yeah, I'm on a bit of a tight budget. So I'd it sounds t- like you've been in tight budgets a lot. Yeah, I just 
I really like this lifestyle and seem to try to make it work all the time. It makes you live in the moment. Yeah, that's one of the big things. It makes you not consume too much, and it doesn't give you too many options of things to do. Yeah. I'm not getting a new bike. No, yeah. <laughs> I gotta ask someone. Or... There's really nice limitations. You're right. I think limitations force creativity in, in many situations. Dope. So yep. I'm a big fan. And uh, not having enough money to pay people to do anything. Yep. Creativity for mm-hmm, yourself. Exactly. And getting in the routine of doing your own things all the time. Yeah. And the other thing is like people ask me how I do this and it's just, it's just my priority. That's all, you know. Like I'll, I'll I st- I was at a truck stop and somebody asked me there and you know I I don't know these guys they have some sort of big truck that's fine but he asked me like how do you how did you fund this I'm like I couldn't tell if he was asking because he's actually curious or if he's trying to like figure out how he would do something like that it, a, uh, it was just like, like not a a semi truck but no a, like a, just a high a big F- Alberta truck yeah yeah but like rigged up so the the headlights. Lift lifted uh, literally lifted yeah and then also like headlights look like they're angry you know like huge huge uh what's that called on the back that you can tow like tow ball yeah you know like six tow balls hanging from the back you know <laughs> and it's fine i actually i'm, I'm kind of teasing but they're you know they're perfectly good people just like anybody but yeah when he asked me he's like how do you find something like this and i'm like i don't know make, i'm making my priority i don't have a truck i don't have a car i don't have anything this is mm-hmm. it this is my life I have a bike in the tent. I really liked what you're saying. You uh, you've only been online or like had day data um, recently. Yeah, because I'll, some, I've been making a lot of effort for outreach, a lot of effort, and it's been successful. But it also involves calling, you know, some people from the news. And when they were when I first were, they were doing it, they're like, "Okay, can you call us this day?" And I was like. At the time, I was visiting my parents for the holidays. So I was like, hey, mom, can I use your phone? And I was like, fuck, I need to get a phone. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to do this. Yeah. I, so it wasn't, it's just, but did you say it was the first time in your life that you had been reaching no. people? Re- um, uh, reaching with So, people. I mean, were you offline with no phone or something for a bunch of time in your life? Or are you saying during a bike, your bike trip, this is your first time being oh. in contact with people? No, I mean... What were you saying? So, two years ago, um, I basically just canceled my cell phone because I didn't want to pay for it. Because I was trying to do stuff like this and that 50 bucks a month was going to make a difference. So, I just canceled my cell phone. Yep. And then I just didn't fix it. I didn't, whatever, didn't get a new cell phone plan for two years. Or I think two years or something like yeah. that. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I had Wi-Fi. So, I was just using Wi-Fi and, and that's how I did it. And, and same thing like bicycling in Spain, no service or whatever. And again it, it just felt normal to me i mean it's just like the world is real outside of facebook and outside of super real cell, cell phone service. really less confusing as well very yeah oh, crap my mind is i uh i'm a dj as well okay right and uh i promoted a lot and always trying to push my stuff out there and always mm. like keeping in touch with uh, we won't say that anymore i'm really slowing down and i'm <laughs> off like reading any posts on facebook okay. and I, uh, in my day-to-day life, thinking about writing music or even finishing it and having it, um, even what I'm doing all the time, I'm thinking that I'm up against everything I see on Facebook and it's Mm. been in me, um, since grade, uh, eight and, or 12 years old or something Mm. ingrained in me that I'm seeing all this stuff that other people are doing and, I'm kind of competing with all that, mm-hmm. but really realistically, holy shit. Um, I don't have to 
compete with an artist from Paris, France, who has record uh, labels like at their doorstep, and that's all mm-hmm. they have going on. I'm I'm here shoveling snow and like yeah. learning how to cook food and <laughs> chopping firewood and being outside. There's this is much more real mm-hmm. this landscape, and I I want to encourage everybody wherever you are, like just compete with yourself in your territory and like what you have really going on try not to get focused on what other people are doing because it's so irrelevant to your battles it's just it's just misleading because okay let's say even this french dj or whoever it is you peddling yeah and that's the and that actually worries me when i make these posts um because i'm trying to now be very very active i just started instagram and twitter and stuff for this and I feel very weird about it because I don't like making these posts, but for the sake of this, what I consider a big picture, I'll be honest, I feel like I'm breaking a lot of my own rules and, and sort of trying to play with people's emotions. I, at first, I, I was trying to do some sort of effort where I was being totally honest, totally real, totally whatever, but it doesn't work. I don't know. Unfortunately, I think that people kind of need to be misled. I mean, this is people are just like... People are beautiful and really intelligent, but they're group intelligent. They're not often individually rational. And so that's why, boom, all of a sudden your neighbors are buying toilet paper, you're buying toilet paper, you know, stuff like that. Holy This fuck. is how all of a sudden you can turn a, a perfectly normal country like Germany into Nazi Germany or into the Cambodian Khmer Rouge, you know, these sorts of things. It's just people are such a group mentality, it's really horrifying. And so for whatever reason, you need, like, the right emotional buttons to be pressed and so for that reason that's why i wanted to do it this way with just the right types of posts not really being honest about what i think people should be doing which is meditating and and pushing i mean what i'm saying is true and i never lie but at the same time i'm still not telling everything of what i think about which is good you're not saying it in your uh piece of cake way how like well for me biking hands and feet freezing and if I say it, I won't tell myself that mm-hmm. during the time, but mm-hmm. in honesty, like if I had to talk about what was going on, yeah, the headwinds and just standing there and being freezing and mm-hmm. this is what's, and then you're posting about that as opposed to, you don't, you don't want to be that kind of person in your real life. You're kind of shaping it in a way to, to have an impact. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is like, there's so many challenges I could mention and all day I'm actually thinking about, that's a, that's a good way to occupy my time. I'm like thinking about, because I like to write, so I'm trying to think about how I might want to um, portray today's post in this way. Like how, how often have I said something about the overdose crisis? How often have I said something about the trip and just trying to balance it? So that's been a good way to occupy my, my, my time. But otherwise I'm just, I have so many times where I'm like, fuck, I got to explain how shitty the wind is or how cold and fucking frozen my feet are. Like I've gotten frost nip on my feet already. Uh, and Oof. I was just like... But then every time I'm at the end of the day, I'm like back in my place and I'm like, okay, what would be the best to spread popularity for the sake of awareness? Um, Because I don't like the publicity. I really don't. But I had to put that aside for what I want to be doing. And so just trying to perfectly dabble in some of the challenges and the reason and some of the realness and some of the beauty, just enough to keep people engaged and and what is digestible i suppose how's it going is it do you feel like you're getting a lot of followers a lot of communication yeah it's been really positive uh it's been really really rad um kind of like overwhelming in in one way because i'll get a lot of messages and i just like 
really hard to get electricity, really hard to answer messages with my cold fingers. So yep. people will just go days, unfortunately, without me replying. 100%. But at the same time, I'm really stoked that people are reaching out, really stoked that people are, are engaged. Um, I'm really happy that it's working because when I left, I didn't really, I like, when I left, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do it for the sake of being cold. It's just really, really tough. Um, and, and basically constantly every day lethal if you don't play your cards right. I've thankfully gotten used to it and I have all my, my um, ducks in a row. But otherwise, yeah, I didn't want to do it. And I didn't want to do it for like 100 people and my, you know, my closest friends and family. And that's it. So I'm happy that it's reached out to a bigger community. Really, really happy. So as a sum up for people listening and if anyone can support, what are you doing? So, yeah, cycling from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan to Vancouver. How far is that? Uh, it's just under 1,700 kilometers. I think the route I'm doing is like 1,670 or 1,680 kilometers. Yeah. Um, because I'll go after um, the Rogers Pass, I'll head south through the Okanagan and cross over at Crow's Nest instead of Coquihalla. Yeah. What are your rules for uh, comfort? And so, you're keeping, we're keeping a distance here. We're not sharing stuff. Yeah, we're not spitting at each other, making out. So Corona's staying put. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my, you're keeping distance from everybody, really. Yeah. Just through the funky times. Yeah, it is. So for me, the rules basically are just living in my tent pretty much every night, except for Camor. It was two weeks. Um, basically sort of, you know, self-quarantine, living on my own. So then at that point, I, I joined somebody else. Otherwise, I live in my tent. And one part is because I like it. I think it's great. It's a great challenge. But the other part is because I want people to be scared about this. I want people to be concerned that I'm going to freeze to death because this is a reality for so many people. And when I've done travels like this, people are always really interested, asking, what are you doing? And think it's really cool and courageous. And I'm like, how is this not courageous to be homeless and, and surviving every night? Not only is it just cold to survive every night in a lot of times, even in, in warm cities, let's say like Vancouver in the, in the rain, as, as I said, hypothermia, no, that's cold, that's real. Man. It that's fucking cold. sucks. Rainy, cold, five degrees, even seven degrees. Yeah. And then if you can do that, you still have to get food. A lot of people are sleeping in the day because at night, if you're sleeping, you're going to get robbed or killed. So you're just like living this very gnarly day-to-day life. And then if you can do all that, you have to somehow have the morale to, to, to do something about it. And even if you then have the morale to try to escape homelessness, good fucking luck. How do you get a job without, you know, a home? How do you get a home without a job? How do you escape this? They're trapped. Mm. You know, there's, there's communities and there's organizations, but it just, it was just, I don't know, it was so much pain thinking about how one could fall into that and how hard it would be to get out. Yeah, and you're trying to raise money for an organization so two organizations mom stop the harm and canadian drug policy coalition mom stop the harm is about you know, the overdose crisis in particular and of mm-hmm. course with reference to moms but although i think dads are involved um, and so they do a lot of awareness reach out to, to people who've lost loved ones and as well as advocacy sort of spreading the news about how we need to change drug policies the canadian drug policy coalition is also doing that as well as doing a lot of the research the social research sociology and and also the you know um, mental health side or even the um, neuroscience side or how, how should i say this the me- medical side of of psychedelic drugs or or how they can be used for PTSD or also the effects of opioids and addiction. So they do a lot of the research and policy. So to me, that is a very critical component of this. But yeah. and if, how did you find them? I just looked it up. I, I just was, I actually I saw this video, this Kurska saw it, this YouTube 
Like they do. Oh yeah, you know? Oh, they're so Love awesome. Them. And they had one on the war on drugs, and that's when they clicked. I'm like, fuck, I gotta get involved. This is the most pitiful disgrace in humanity. I mean, it's been like 60 years or 80 years, let's say, but more recently, like a hard six. 60 years from the 60s yep. since the you know really putting down on the war on drugs and it's been the total failure it just gets worse and worse every time they try to push it harder and harder it just gets worse and worse i mean it ranges from like cartels running countries like like mexico and colombia to you know people in the streets in vancouver to again i argue the people in rich privileged communities who still fall have into, you been to vancouver recently or like in the years it's it's, um, it's busy yeah it's a lot of people on the i don't street. like the city it's just busy it's busy and i'm, oh, I'm talking that, about yeah. hastings yeah 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 it's it is busy it's a bunch of blocks of busy mm-hmm. um tons of people living out there mm-hmm. rough yeah it is rough it's really sad it's very crazy from being privileged and knowledgeable and conscious and uh, walking into that uh-huh. and thinking about what the hell we're all doing like why don't we solve that and then there's people in a rush who get in a car accident because they're trying to get somewhere to get more money mm-hmm. when they're already probably doing fine and then there's these people mm-hmm. and like maybe don't just give them money but can't we all just put this as a priority to make sure mm-hmm. everyone's well yeah and that's the thing is I think what I don't know. I think what ends up happening, and, and religion was not helpful for this, is is sort of thinking that oh, that wouldn't be me. You know, this is like a lost soul, for example. You know, and I think to me that was that's just such a dangerous mentality. This us and them that like you couldn't do that. For even example with Nazi Germany, to think you couldn't become a Nazi. Yeah, right. You could become a Nazi. You could become homeless and go onto the streets. I think they were getting and, the guys to join them every country they'd go to. Well, that's the thing. It's like Join we're us or all die. susceptible to this. And to think that you couldn't be part of a cult, couldn't be misled. The idea that you couldn't be misled mm. is like, that's it's, misleading. That's what makes you it's so... It's scary when I hear someone say that. Yeah. Or they think they're above any kind of, oh man, any kind of manipulation. I, I think that's really dangerous and not... Yeah. smart at all well that's i'm open to me being manipulated that's I step can, one to brainwashing people tell them they're not brainwashable then they'll they'll <laughs> totally be with you on everything because they think it's all on them they're like oh yeah i i wanted to storm the capital and uh, that was my decision you gotta yeah you gotta be open to the uh, idea of being manipulated uh-huh. so you can check it so you yeah, can check exactly that it's happening exactly it's not always it's not negative that i'm bringing it up that like potentially no. potentially a whole bunch of people got manipulated into no, doing certain things i think i agree i think people are worried about that but i agree it's same thing with death let's say it's another example of um you have to recognize the truth you have to recognize the truth that one you don't know everything that two you're probably wrong about a lot of things that you believe in three you're manipulable you're brainwashable and four you're gonna die and people are worried about thinking of all those things, but of course, by recognizing them, because they're all true, especially death, I mean, that one you really can't escape, then you can start to work with it. People, I mean, people will be worried. I remember being on, I don't know, something like a date, having a beer with a girl once and bringing up death. And it was the first time I think we'd hung Hardcore out. Hardcore date. That she said something to me was not hardcore at all. It was completely normal. These are the kind of things I just think Everything's about. Everything's normal, man. Like, let's just yeah, talk about exactly. it. Exactly. And she was just like, uh, are you okay? Like, you know, do you have some. How do you like, like being choked to death? Yeah. <laughs> she wanted, yeah. She asked if I had a terminal illness or something. Oh. And I was like, no. Well, yes, it's called life. You know, mm. it's guaranteed death 100% Word. of the time. You know? 
So to me, it was just, it's so important to talk about these things in order to to move forward because just hiding from them is not going to help. But yeah, I think that with... So you watched that, the Kortzkazad video, you got into um, the Moms for... Moms, Moms Stop the Harm. Moms yeah. Stop the Harm. And, yeah. and the other organization you... Canadian Drug Policy Coalition. Both of those, I just, I just Googled actually like Stop the Harm because when they talked about it, in that, I was just like, man... War on drugs. How do we get involved? Let's fucking go. Yeah. And well, actually, it was more like I was just kind of investigating because at the time I already knew I'm like, man, I might try to bicycle in the winter, but I was trying not to think about it because I knew it was going to be tough, um, like scarily tough. But at the time, I just started looking it up, came across Canadian Drug Policy Coalition, who's a big organization involved, and then looking about some of the other organizations that are involved with them. One of them called Maps, uh, the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Science, maybe something about multidisciplinary. Hell yeah, I've heard about these people. Uh huh. And so to me, it touched, as we said, like this common denominator. To me, it touched everything I was thinking about. I was doing a lot of meditating, realizing meditation is the answer. Reading Doors of Perception, stuff from Aldous Huxley and other people, such as Sam Harris, and oh no, actually you will know her. I doesn't mention, mention psychedelics, but these other guys who mentioned psychedelics as tools for learning about the consciousness, learning about the self. Mm-hmm. Then I was also watching other things about using psychedelics with regards to PTSD addiction all the same then I was like man then there's also addiction and all these other things I'm like it all makes sense if we can re you know read this let's say narrate re-educate ultimately what drugs mean how drugs are used and how mental health is falling into drugs um, because falling into opioids or cocaine is, is very similar to falling into other things. We have other options. If you're privileged, instead of falling into cocaine, you have other drugs you're chasing. It's buying stuff. It's it's relationships. It's whatever. It's power. It's a better job. It's a raise. But it's, it's very similar biologically, that craving for something, something else. And, and when you don't have an option or whatever series of unfortunate circumstances like like rape or sexual abuse that might push you into the drugs as the only coping mechanism, it ends up otherwise being a very similar process in the brain. So to me, I'm like, okay, let's really look at drugs. Let's try to be more empathic, try to be more compassionate, try to realize that we can all be in there. We can all be, um, you know, homeless and, and be addicted to opioids. And then also start to increase research on psychedelics. I'll start to do psychedelics more or less depending on the person and depending on the dosage, depending on the experience. And also mix with meditation. We should be teaching meditation from a young age such that people are aware of their own mind and they're not overwhelmed by the sensations of greed, jealousy, hatred, and that you can work with them. You're still going to have them. That's not the point of meditation is to just know that you have them. That's what I... And I'm reading the book so Island. Was a big is what we need to get obsessed with. We need to get obsessed with knowing what we're thinking yes and knowing the habits yeah just catching those thoughts realizing that you're having these thoughts i think racism is another big one more recently people will say i'm not racist blah 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 it's like i can't say that that's true i can say from my own my own life i would say i'm not racist with respect to you know hating another person but I know 100% when I grew up, I did not grow up with a lot of indigenous Canadians in my community. I grew up with every other type of person, let's say from China, from Korea. I had a friend from Malaysia. Yeah. Um, and, and when I saw other people like that, it never, never stood out. It was never different. But I never saw a lot of indigenous people in my area. So when I would see one, I noticed something different in my mind. It wasn't necessarily bad. It was nothing bad at all. It was just like, oh, it stood out to me. 
and at the time it worried me i thought oh, elijah are you racist but no i didn't i didn't do anything i didn't even hate anybody in fact it was just it just i just noticed it that's all but i think that happens a lot and people aren't willing to accept that because they think oh if i if i think like that i'm racist no 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 one of the biggest things is being humble that you might have this thought only from then will you be able to observe how you're behaving because maybe maybe i would have crossed the street or something you know is that appropriate if you don't notice these thoughts then how are you going to be able to behave rationally you might someone might see an indigenous person cross the street and then not even realize that that's why they cross the street because they're subconsciously being racist even though there's nothing actually obviously you know meaningful about that so if you just catch your own thoughts it could be a completely different uh culture a different um um, race, not race, but let's say um, skin type in a different community, let's say if maybe Italians are scary because you're in you know, some Italian community where there's like a lot of Italian drug lords or something you know, or Mexico and so to me it's just catching those sorts of thoughts being aware of them, being of humble them. of them all of them, every whatever, whatever single one and noticing how they play in your life and how they're shaping the way your human body is acting through the thought patterns that are repeating mm -hmm. um, how yeah, you crave the sugar, how you yeah. look at the person and then think about what would be best with that body in the circumstance of the thinking that you think and that's okay so you're interested and you see um the indigenous person crossing the street go see them and communicate yeah. and that's what and it has been for break me that ice and, and that's and even in fact moments before i mentioned this for the sake of the podcast i had this sensation of nervousness to bring up that particular example mm -hmm. because i know that there are going to be people who are going to hear that and think that guy's racist simply by making that example and and so for that reason i almost didn't say it but i realized no no no. i want to mention these sorts of things because it's that sort of truthness that sort of humility that we need to have to start to work on these things and yeah i'm not racist again i i agree i ha i'll talk to anybody anybody asks me for help anybody waves me over as long as not behind a back alley i might just call them to come out of the back alley otherwise <laughs> i've stopped and talked to a lot of people and that's why i'm on this journey now is because i've met so many amazing people had so many amazing conversations and and even the conversations to me were amazing but other people might think man that person's crazy that person's this that person. no that person's a person and I, I, I just, every time they're talking, I want to be so empathetic, give them everything. I want to be the medium for their existence, the medium for their voice, the medium for their, their conversation. I want to be the space that can, that can hold whatever they say. And so when they're talking to me, it's just like, it's just everything. That's, a, that's amazing. That allows everybody to say what is on their mind mm -hmm. as well, that, so then that's a friendly place for people to speak their mind. There's nothing being held back. Um, we, there's, they don't feel like they're bad for thinking a certain repetitive thought. Yeah, exactly. They're open, they're flowing. They can identify what they're thinking of and they've talked about it with someone. They're pretty solid about how they think and act and the body mm -hmm. that they didn't choose to have. They can navigate that body in the best way possible based on everybody. And then we can all try to do that. And then we're just um then we're just all being better ideally yeah somebody a friend of mine again thankfully challenged me 
and said something about how is this going to help with morality? Do you really think that meditation, let's say a mindfulness, is really going to give, does it have any moral cues? And I would say in many cases, yes, it automatically increases empathy, automatically increases compassion, it automatically increases patience, or it automatically removes the sensation, doesn't remove the sensation of greed, but it removes the, the craving to follow out through something like greed or power or stealing. So automatically, I think it increases a lot of um, moral code. Uh, but at the same time, the most important thing is we already have really quite good rules. You know, we don't need to rewrite all the rules all of a sudden from scratch. All we need to do is be sort of mindful, paying attention and rethinking the rules. Why is this rule here? Is this rule good? Because a hundred years ago, it was a far more, you know, um, white male privileged world, <laughs> you know, or 200 years ago or for a lot of history. Is that why we're still using this rule? Let's maybe rethink it. Even I think a lot about that with homelessness. It's basically illegal to be homeless. Where do you pee? Where do you sleep? Where do you even sit and stand without being considered loitering? Mm. So it's like, how do these rules make any sense? It's not even possible to live homeless. Even if it's something like me who is traveling, it's still basically illegal. It's like, I have, to, I, I only exist. I only can go to the, get my, you know, health, uh, get like a vaccine or something because I have an address, which is my parents' address, even though I haven't lived there for years. Mm. So it's like, how do you do that without an address? You can't do anything. The, the water world's not designed for, for living like this. Jesus. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre. It's only in the sense to help make more dollars. Yeah. What I'm seeing, it always exactly. seems to come down to making more dollars, and then that's the a major issue. Yeah, and then again, so I, I suggest that this craving to make more dollar is because people lack meaning. And because people aren't paying enough attention to their emotions, because again, craving. If you're born in a privileged enough community and you have the sensation of craving, you know what to do. You were told it a million times. Be smarter, be better, be good looking and get more money, you know? Mm. And because you're privileged, you can at least do your best to follow that endless, endless, endless dream. But if you're not in a privileged community and you can't follow any of those things, then what else do you do? It's the same sort of idea, craving, but now you're maybe surrounded by crime, so, or surrounded by gangs, maybe you've watched your own brother get stabbed to death, so it's like, what are you craving? You're craving having power so that you don't get stabbed to death, or your other brother doesn't get stabbed to death, or et cetera, you know, it's just this other manifestation of a similar mind. I mean, we're all humans at the end of the day, and we've been humans for thousands of years. We're no different, no special now than we were more, or we're no more special than 10,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. We're all very rich now in a sense that it's not uncommon for everyone to most, most 90% of people to have a vehicle. Yeah, that one I think about a lot. Arrives somewhere. So people, I, I think a lot about, it's kind of a bit of a different um, topic, but yeah, some people get upset with me for driving on the roads. They're like, oh, you're making the roads so dangerous being out there on being the road. On I'm like, Fuck that. You don't say that driving is dangerous because I'm on a bike. Driving is fucking dangerous, man. It kills millions of people every single year. Yeah, they're like, the one going super fast. Yeah, they're the one in a metal box going at absurd speeds, whipping and ripping, riding and winding it's right so through the mountains. Now. It's so weird. So normal. normal. And 100k an hour. And the shit that gets fucked up at 100k an hour, 100 kilometer winds. Man, it's Insane. so crazy. I know it's so fucking fast, and I know I know that. And uh, so people will still get mad at me. And I'm like, first off, if you didn't see me, you're not paying enough attention to the road. You know, if if you hit me, like 
Fuck, man, you would have hit anything in there if it was like a it's rock. It's all good as long know? as everyone's focused. That's I have my space, and uh, if I don't, I'm pretty visible, and yeah. you're going at a speed that you can't stop yourself. Like, you can't see something and stop fast enough, then you're going too fast, or you're not and, focused enough. Yeah, exactly, and people become so desensitized to the fact they're in this big metal box moving so quickly, and at every moment, is, death is imminent. a biker. Yeah, well, or, or themselves at any single or, second. Any single second, they could kill themselves and other cars around them, mm-hmm. and they totally forget that. You Not even to, just cars, people. People in the cars. In the cars. The car. Yeah, the I mean, car's bullshit. Car doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, they just feel invincible in this little metal box. Even though when you look at so pictures of cars, they're completely obliterated. The best, it's like a tin can. The best beats, though, man, and just like the heat's on, beats are on. You're just like you just I forget. get sore from sitting there. It's fucked. Yeah, I can't. Biking, do it. biking for me across BC got rid of this entire like back and dude leg pain agreed so good after the first day of biking i haven't felt that same pain ever again i feel yeah sitting in a car is is a nightmare for me it totally fucks up my hips my ass gets sore yeah (laughs) you're just sitting there yeah and then i don't know you got way too much our bodies are big and strong and able and you're just like teeter-tottering on your pedal and just steering a little bit yeah and it's just all in this mind thing and it's crazy like people again they're all in such a rush they get so used to it like oh i gotta go to whatever vancouver and you try to get there or whatever from saskatoon might be like two <laughs> days and it's like dude that's a huge fucking distance i can't believe you guys just did that you know a hundred years ago yeah, we had cars, but not a lot of people were driving them. Most were for the rich, you know, and cars weren't really in use at all. Probably maybe, I don't know, 150 years ago, maybe. I don't know how long, like within, you know, in the 1800s, we had maybe the first early combustion engines, not including trains, which then at the time were still coal. And, and even at the time, cars were still used for only the rich. Now everyone's gone. What one. were the rich doing with them? They were just gloating over the poor or what? What the fuck were they actually doing that was good? I, I don't know. Like now they're just, you know. <laughs> and then when I drive to get anywhere, what am I doing that's good? As opposed to, I don't know, taking the time to walk to the grocery store. Uh-huh carry the stuff that i will eat for the week yeah 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 it can be done but of course people come to this conclusion like i don't have time for that it's like why don't you have time for that everyone has this obsession with being busy but Um, at the same time it's like walking to go get your groceries for that hour that could be busy enough and it's great for your health yeah exactly no but i have to go to the gym later right so i have to go drive to get my groceries so i can drive go to the gym and run on a treadmill yeah i'm like gee you could have just fucking yeah exactly you could (laughs) have just ran to the grocery store and ran home you would have been dead tired with all those groceries in your back yeah it's just too funny i mean i'm not against you know going to the gym or whatever but it's kind of bizarre how we have to like go out of our way for these things and that yeah you can't like just walk to get your groceries or whatever it's i think to me i like biking because it's just faster than walking walking is quite slow bikes are an amazing invention they are the um, best there's a great ted talk about it there's um documentaries on people revolved around the bicycle and like just it doesn't consume too too much and ultimately extremely powerful for getting so much farther with one pedal uh-huh yeah to me they give this sort of they give me this really cool feeling of, you know, traveling from A to B flying with my body. <laughs> flying? Flying, yeah. I kind of, like, look Whoa. over my wheel, and I can't re- see too, too much when I'm looking up. You're just going 
consistently mm-hmm. and as like earth is going past you consistently bipedal motion mm-hmm. is not so much like that there's more acceleration to stopping oh i see yeah yeah, yeah. You know, boosh, boosh, as you're right. as you're pedaling a bike it more similar to flying on totally top of earth that's interesting i'll be thinking about that for a little while <laughs> fly around sweet spread your arms can you go to no hands with all your stuff uh i did it a bit today but not really no the way it's weighted <laughs> right now it's it's quite heavy and they get pr- very strange speed wobbles um do you get the wobbles even holding on it's not anymore because my body's automatically adjusted to it but yeah. in the beginning yeah and it was really funny because in the beginning the first week let's say i would like when i would close my eyes to fall asleep i would just be wobbling or i know i don't think i was actually wobbling but i just felt like i was wobbling or even sometimes i'd be like tired looking out the world and the world would be to have this feeling of the wobble wow, like yeah. my body's just compensated for the speed wobble people get uh sea legs you're like getting bike legs or uh, yeah. pedal legs yeah it's true man i get the same thing with with wind too just like wind body yeah i mean you just wind bike against the wind every moment it's like you close your eyes and you just feel like you're biking against the wind you feel like you're getting pushed back you know like oh still getting pushed go away the wind just creeped its way into my sleep oh it's so bad so what can we do so uh you can follow on facebook twitter or instagram cycle to stop the harm and there's fundraiser gofundme if you i think search google search or whatever search engine cycle to stop the harm the gofundme page shows up cycle the number two so how does it work? Instagram, I think, is cycled the number two. Cycle two, stop the harm with the number two. Facebook is just cycled two with like T O, you know. Yeah. T W O. Oh wait. No T O. <laughs> T O. Don't confuse yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm cycling to help stop the harm, so it's cycled to stop the harm. Yeah. And yeah, if you look that up on Google, it'll show you GoFundMe, and from there it takes you all the pages as well. So for those who want to just follow and check out the journey, see a little bit about why I'm doing this and what it's like to be bicycling and camping every day in the in the winter, in the Rockies, in the prairies, then you can check it out. And also the GoFundMe, you can donate. Um, and yeah, you can look up the, the organizations that I've been. That I'm and the GoFundMe donations go to the organizations. Yeah. Is any of it going to you? No, 100% is being split between the two. Kind of regret that, but that's totally okay. That's totally okay, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Let re- me know if you need some food. I'll donate to <laughs> Thanks. you. Thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah. No, I don't regret it. I'm stoked to, to have done it just for them. But I also do realize that it's like these organizations are all people who are actually not personally struggling for money. And I'm like, I'm going to end up at the end of this and I'm going to have to be dumpster diving in order to finish this. You're a legend. So it's great, but your I, mind and your body <laughs> and what you're doing, you're not consuming more than any other. You're giving more than you take. It's great. Thanks, man. You're welcome. That is really motivating. <laughs> That's inspiring. I appreciate it. No problem. I was just noticing it's getting a little dark. It is a little bit, bit by bit. And uh, is there anything? So that's what that's one thing we can do. But what about in general to your friends or people of Golden? What can they do? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that. I think maybe no one has money. What about and the total mm. global consciousness or the global idea, your idea, what what's the best that we to can do? To me, what's best is 
one again to start noticing your own emotions just to pay attention to that but of course it starts to get very quickly vague and a very complicated process and it is but i think the biggest is to for now to focus on stopping the war on drugs if we can change these policies to get more research done on psychedelics that will also lead to helping a lot of these people who are falling in the grips of homelessness we'll have harm reduction we'll have more empathic human rights approaches we'll start analyzing mental health differently because that's why a lot of these people fall into the grips of drug abuse as suicide or homelessness understanding mental health from their perspective will help help also everybody understand their own mental health so to me whatever one can do to try to spread awareness about the current drug policies and how badly they need to be changed to spread awareness about the overdose crisis whether it's sharing this journey but so much more you know message your community mention them that you know that they you, they need to be putting this in the newspaper or something start a community start a club join a club whatever do what you can if you look up you know harm reduction stop the war on drugs all these sorts of things would pop up you can try to find your own way and if that all seems too overwhelming because there's too many organizations to join which is totally fair i do think the biggest thing is trying to be empathetic with every single person you see everything you see boy. that's exactly i was just wanted to end with that too yeah. thinking like be empathetic for others on their physical actions or what they have on their mind mm-hmm. and that as a rule if we all did that more, we would all be more equal. Mm-hmm. Agreed. We are equal. A real test to this, I think, when you talk about this and people get really amped up, like they just watch some sort of documentary, you know, and like, yeah, I'll be empathetic next time I see a homeless person. I'll give them some money. I'll talk to them. But then when they see somebody, they meet somebody who's against changing drug policies, against harm reduction, and think that that homeless person is a piece of shit. You meet someone like that, and you're very quickly not empathetic. Think that person's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's be empathetic with them as well. Everyone. Why are they thinking that way? Why is if there's somebody who we might consider an asshole who's mean, why are they mean? Why is somebody stealing? Just do your best to be empathetic with everybody and now those ones can be particularly challenging. That's a wrap, folks. Peace. Thanks, Peace. Elijah. Thank you, Colin. <laughs> Sick, dude. Yeah, great chat. Good chat. The uh Mm, I hope I can edit it nicely with all the train, the train and, uh,